Is that tomorrow? I see. How are you doing, my friend? Wait, where is um? Well, look at this. Hey, Joshua, how are you? Give me one second so I can get my phone my phone going. Here's everyone. Thanks, tomorrow. It's, it's wonderful to, to see you again. Hi, Snowden. Hi, Snowden. And it's good to see Josh here as well. Yeah, Josh. Nice to see you. Thanks. Very, very timely. Um, just give me one second while I get uh, Melanie and um, uh, Bonnie an invite here. And you should you should have been invited to uh, to speak as well. Uh, Josh. Okay. All right. So I've got Melanie, Bonnie, Snowden, and Josh. You, you've all been given uh, an invite to speak. So you guys are more than welcome to talk. Um, Amaro, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, fantastic to be here and participate in this. In your, in your amazing. Um, meeting i'm looking forward to being here with with you guys and also like uh kind of missed you missed you off because we haven't seen any well we haven't really talked in a quite a little bit i think it's been like what over been almost a couple weeks already right yeah it has been yeah so i'm glad to see everybody back and ready to ready to fight fascism Sorry, I was just sending Melanie uh, a message. I said, I thought you thought I was going to be late, didn't you? But I was right on time. So, um, so uh, what's new with your campaign? Is anything, uh, has anything happened since we talked last tomorrow? Yep, I'm going to be um, going to be participating in a January 6th um, visual in um, Tampa. And also I got invited to um, to Mayor Christman, um, go away reception, welcoming in um, Robert, uh, welcoming in uh, Welch, who's going to be the new mayor of St. Petersburg, which is going to be pretty fun. And and I guess now we just have to basically gear up for the fight that we're gonna, that's going to occur now in 2022. So we're wrapping everything up now. Well, um. If uh, I've been working ever since we uh, we spoke last tomorrow, I, I've done a tremendous amount of work, and um, so I've got my physical host set up for Open Collective, which means I have a platform that can uh, accept applications for other groups to uh, budget and fundraise and uh, do expenditures transparently without having to organize into a company because I did I did all the work for that. And um, so we, I got that. That's been a big hurdle. Um, I got the Vigil for Democracy website up and running, and I started a, a multi-site where I can give people uh, access to parts of the website that they can use for themselves. So when they, if they start a collective for an activist purpose, um, I can let them operate from my website, uh, you know, autonomously, which has been another pretty big deal. Uh, 
I've been looking at ways to create sustainable movements. So, uh, you know, different merchandising and shops and, and, and plugins for, for the word for the, uh, websites. I mean, it's just, it's just been a, a busy, a busy few weeks for me. And I'm really glad that Bonnie talked me into, to getting on and doing this. Um, I, uh, jo I see Josh here. I see um, Snowden here. Let's see. Jason. Hi, Jason. Who else do we have? Um, okay. Uh, I invited Jason to speak. And uh, I see William here. And you guys are more than welcome to jump in. Uh, uh, Bonnie and, and uh, Melanie have been busy bees. <sighs> So yeah, I've sent a bunch of invites. Nobody's accepted it yet, but you guys are welcome to jump in and start and start uh, talking. I'd love to hear about your campaigns. I want to say really quick, also before everybody starts, um, welcome as well, and really, and it's good to see a lot of familiar faces here, um, like William. He's an amazing guy, and and others. Yeah, William, uh, from Kentucky. I'm interested. What what um, district in Kentucky, William? Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. So, what what specifically are we talking about here? I'm 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 in the middle of a, a hundred different things all the time, so I want to make sure I'm addressing whatever <laughs> competently. Well, you know. Um, well, I, I've started a three-point plan of, of activism, media, and elections, and I'm trying to, uh, to build a coalition of, of activists, of media people, and of, of people running for office. And so I'd really like to find out about your campaign, what you're running for, who you're running against, and um, any, you know, any, anything that you'd like to tell me about your campaign, hurdles that you might face, and I'd like to tell you um, ways I might be able to help you. And, and see if we can, you know, create a coalition to win in 2022. Sure. Well, um, I'm, I'm running for the second time. Uh, I ran in 2020, uh, same district, uh, Washington's second district, running against um, a guy, uh, a Democrat, a very conservative Democrat. He's uh, by the American Conservative Union's uh, own um, sort of voting alignment rankings. He's the 35th most conservative uh, House Democrat. Um, by by career voting alignment with with the ACU, uh, those are the folks that put on CPAC um, gets over half of his funding from corporate PACs. Uh, very tied to the military industrial complex and the fossil fuel industry. Um, he's currently the chair of the House Aviation Subcommittee of Transportation, and he's the fourth ranking Democrat on the House Armed Services Committee. So um, he raises over a million dollars every year, and and. You know, a good deal of it comes from corporate packs and people who are maxed out. So um, I am running in a, you know, ostensibly progressive district. Uh, Washington second is, um, you know, uh, this this guy, uh, Larson, he he beats the Republican challenger two to one uh, over the last 20 years. And and Republicans don't even run serious candidates uh, in, in this district. So I think the guy who was on the ballot last year um uh, I think he only raised about thirty thousand dollars. It's not like P 
people are throwing money at Republican candidates to try and over overturn the seat. It's not it's not competitive for them. Um, but it but it is uh, it does have a lot of we're, we're just north of Seattle and we go up to the Canadian border um, and it does have a lot of progressive areas. Um, and there's never really been a serious progressive challenger to this incumbent. Um, I think the last one was was maybe around 2012 uh, and and he didn't go very far. So when I um, ran last year, I got almost 35,000 votes. It was three times the number of progressive uh, votes that a leftist challenger has has gotten uh, ever against this candidate. Um, and so I feel and we and Washington is a top two primary state like uh, California and like Louisiana. So whoever the top two vote getters are in the primary, um, we go to the general. So, you know, this is this is an opportunity for a Democrat to go against the Democrat um, and, and let the voters decide where they want to stand on policy, because, you know, uh, the truth is a Republican's not going to win this race. Um, so it's a good opportunity for progressives. Um, the, the guy, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get too nasty, but I mean, he's he's you know, he's a performative corporate Democrat. Uh, deceptive um you know uh, I, I could go on about that um but we have a pretty good base of support here i mean we're we're probably going to need to hit set we're probably gonna need double our vote total um to get on the ballot so thirty-five thousand votes in the primary last year uh we're looking at probably seventy thousand this year and that'll all depend on how many candidates the republicans throw in because we're hoping a bunch of republicans uh step in none of them are credible and they all split the vote um <laughs> so that that would uh that would be very helpful to my campaign um so that's that i think the biggest challenge for progressives right now uh is fundraising um my fundraising numbers through 2021 were not bad i mean we hit eighty thousand dollars um for the year uh and uh we're not we're not promoted by anybody uh particularly big name other than marianne williamson but even her support has not given us uh, a, a huge boost for fundraising. So a lot of it is people in the district who know me um, and me doing this candidate call time where I'm doing outreach and we've got an email program uh, that we pay for monthly. Um, and and that's that's the basis of our fundraising. But, you know, hopefully we'll pick up some, some endorsements moving forward. Um, I'm going to be on TYT with Chank this Friday. Um, hopefully we'll get a boost from that. And, and that's where things are. But, you know, we've, we've, we, I'm pretty much, I just got done with about four hours of candidate call time, um, you know, and I work full time as well. So got my morning work done, came back, sat on the phones and, and uh, called people across the country. So that's where we stand right now. So, so what other, what other hurdles are you, are you facing any hurdles outside of fundraising uh, issues, maybe with, with, um, you know, I, I, have you faced hacking attacks? I, I mean, no, are you, no, okay. no, nothing, nothing like that. Um, you know, the, the incumbent ignores us in the district. I mean, he, knowing that we're in a progressive district, um, he, he really has no reason to, you know, address our challenge. Uh, other people in district are like, I'm speaking at one of our county democratic party meetings, um, this Saturday. Um, and, and when he found out I was going to be there, he actually requested that he get a time slot different than me. Um, so I said, well, I'm going to be there the whole meeting. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, whatever, but he, 
he wants to do everything he can to avoid any any kind of engagement because it just doesn't benefit him to even acknowledge that he's got a progressive challenger being that we are in a progressive district. Right. Well, well, something that I've been working on, I, I founded a, gr uh, a group. I'm based in South Florida, but I founded a group called uh, Vigil for Democracy over in um, San Francisco. I learned how to be a political organizer in San Francisco. I spent three weeks in front of Nancy Pelosi's offices demanding impeachment, and we sent uh, impeach stickers and banners all across the country trying to tilt uh, the uh, uh grassroots demand for impeachment, you know, t towards a, towards when it could actually happen. So um, now my group, the vigil right now is a, for, the vigil for democracy is involved with a lot of strikes. And what I've learned is that the, uh, the operations for engaging in a, uh, a, a worker strike is very similar to, to the operations of labor organizing and running for office. And so um, there's someone that I've connected with. Her name is Bonnie Rawson, and she's taught me a lot. So you might be interested. You might find a lot of help by going to local labor unions because they may be more progressive than than people. You know, I, I'm not I'm not very familiar with the politics in Washington, but the labor unions may actually be beneficial to you. And well, uh, I, I'll I'll say I'll say this about labor unions. Um, the 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 incumbent has a tenuous relationship with labor in Washington state. Um, last year, the Washington state labor council did not endorse him on their first round of voting. Um, I did have some supporters within labor, but it is what, what I want. Now I was, I have um, gone, we, we have a number of uh, strikes happening in Western Washington here. Um, carpenters have gone on strike. Concrete workers have gone on strike and I've gone down to their, um, pickets and I've joined them on the picket lines and I have, um, you know, introduced myself to their political directors and so on, but getting a union boss to encourage their membership to, you know, I mean, it's, this is all about relationships. Um, and so, you know, the, the unions here have a 20 year relationship with the incumbent. So I need to work on the rank and file, uh, not so much, you know, the union leadership. Right. Well, again, it's just it's just one option. I'm learning a lot of things about organizing right now myself. And so, I mean, really, what I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to to link as many people together to create coalitions of people that, you know, that so that we can address problems in novel ways. OK. And so, I mean, I just recently spoke with um, Natalie uh, James, who's running for Congress in Arkansas. And we were able to go through and I was able to help her go um, uh, race by race and try to find people to fit races in Arkansas for, that, that didn't have races. And so um, I have uh, detailed information on states like Florida, Texas, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio. I, I haven't looked at, at Washington yet, but I do have lists of um, all of these state legislatures for all 50 states. And so if you know someone that, that's interested in, uh, in winning the state legislatures or changing the, the partisan, you know, the, getting more progressives on to state legislatures, I'd be more than happy to give them uh, the spreadsheets and stuff that I've built. So um, if, that, if you think that would be helpful to you. 
Well, I, I do have um, a couple people locally here in Washington who are thinking about running. So, yeah, let's let's connect on the side about that. Um, my email is Jason at call It's very easy. So let's uh, let's talk about that um, over email. OK, you got it. All right. And my email is uh, me, M.E. at just resisting dot com. OK, and uh, I, I wrote your email down. Um, and so it's callforcongress.com. All right. Um, so it, it's wonderful, Jason. I know you had a long day. So if you if you want to head out, I understand. No, I'll hang out and listen. Okay. Uh, um, let me see who else is is up here. Um, I would ask that everybody, if you're not actively talking, that you uh, turn your microphone off. Um, so we've got a bunch of speakers. I see Bonnie. I see Melanie. I love you guys both. Thank you very much for, for getting me on here. Um, and I see Josh and William are both accepted. Uh, I don't know who'd like to go first, but either one of you can 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 start, uh, you know, letting us know about your campaigns. Yeah, I'll I'll go. Um, can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah. Who is this? This is William. Uh, hey, William. How are you? I'm doing great. It's, it's been it interesting last month here in Kentucky. Um, my campaign, I'm running for U.S. House of Representatives in Kentucky District 2, which is currently held by our GOP incumbent, Brett Guthrie. Uh, he's been in Congress since 2009. Uh, this, this race has pretty much been dominated by the Republicans. The last two cycles, it's been pretty much a 30-60 split on the votes. Uh, the person who's running in the primary against me, again, he's ran both times, and this is his third time. He has openly admitted he doesn't put forth effort to actually try and beat the incumbent, but yet he's seeking the nomination. And I've tried to be trying to battle against that mindset of, well, he's already ran, we know him, but at the same time, he doesn't try and do anything. Uh, politics in Kentucky is really odd. Uh, you guys probably all across the nation, of course, know our infamous Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. Um, um, Brett Guthrie, he just kind of lays low, but he's very much like Mitch McConnell. His voting record is exactly the same he's just not open about it it is him and a lot of people as i speak to them they're like oh i didn't realize that i don't like mitch mcconnell i'm not liking this voting record you're telling me of brett guthrie and, and that's kind of how i've been approaching this mm -hmm. our registered voters believe it or not are pretty close democrat and republican and so I've just been trying to reach out to everyone, educate them, and just found out about an hour ago that my district has lost a couple counties and will probably be gaining a couple other counties on the other side of our state. So our, our new congressional maps are pretty interesting. Okay, so uh, my ex-husband lives in Lexington. I don't know where Bowling I don't know. I've been to Kentucky a few times. I, I haven't... Um, I don't know the layout very well. So I, where where in relation to Lexington are you? Just to give me a little bit of perspective. Um, south, 
East. Okay. So um, Bowling Green and, and Warren County, it's um, close to the southern border near Tennessee. We're only an hour away from Nashville, and we're about two hours away from Lexington. They're more towards the center of the state and towards the northern part. You know, uh, my experience when I went to Kentucky, I was, I was actually extremely impressed with the state and totally taken by surprise at that because I expected, to be honest, a very backwards place. And at least in Lexington, it was a very progressive area. Uh, I really liked the city. And what surprised me most, I mean, I'm from South Florida, I'm gay. And uh, to find out that all of the gay men in, in the Lexington area have access to, to, to PrEP. PrEP is a drug that, that can prevent um, HIV. And so it's very crazy to me that Kentucky can be so ahead of the curve when it comes to medications and healthcare and things like that. And Florida being so, so um, it, it did catch me by a little by surprise. Um, but uh, you know, um, so what, what are some of the hurdles that you're facing in running for office in Kentucky? Uh, the biggest hurdle is, the notion that a progressive Democrat cannot win. Um, again, I've mentioned that our incumbent, he's ran since 2009. And in 2009, that was the closest election he had the first time running. Ever since then, it's just been a blowout. And everyone looks at Kentucky and goes, oh, there's no way a progressive Democrat can win. There's no way they'll be a Republican. And they just overlook our state. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get what we have now, The what our uh, Democrat Party chair in Warren County says, the super duper majority in our state legislature, because everyone just overlooks Kentucky and says, oh, Republicans have it. Let's not work on it. And, and so has, has the Democratic Party been helpful in any way? Have, have you been able to reach out to them to, to find out about, about um, you know, like getting assistance, getting funding or anything to, 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 to run as a Democrat in the state from the official party infrastructure? That is another hurdle I have faced is interacting with the Kentucky Democrat Party. Um, mm -hmm. They really focus on neutrality in the primary and the fact that I do have a primary challenger who ran in the past when I go to ask them for advice or even for help, I've completely gotten, we're not touching this until after the primary. We're not going to talk to you until after the primary. And it's, it's like they don't even want to try until. Until it's too late. Yeah. And um, so I, now I've mentioned to uh, Jason that I spoke with Natalie James, who's running for U.S. Senate in Arkansas. Natalie James has been an inspiration. She's a real leader, okay? She, of, of everyone I've talked to so far, she has by far impressed me the most uh, as, because what she's done is, is she's not looking at just her race. She's looking at all of Arkansas. And, and, and what, what I think may be in your best interest in, in one way that I would help you, uh, I'd like to help you, William, is... Um, you know, Arkansas is a smaller state with smaller delegation. Kentucky, I have detailed information about Kentucky from 2020. And if you know someone that would like to 
um, find Democratic candidates to run for every every spot. Okay, I would be more than happy. I, I, I more than uh, happy to give you the uh, spreadsheets and the data that I have, and I can even give you information about running for the state legislation. Like I've got all these spreadsheets that just need names filled in for state legislatures, state senate, state house, and um, you know. The, the, the biggest the biggest problem I think that we face as Democrats is an unwillingness to try to find a Democrat for every single race. You know, we need to be running, we need to be running people, whether or not we think that we can win it, we need to be running Democrats across the country, especially in rural areas like Kentucky. And so um, I, I told Jason this too, my, my email is me, at justresisting.com. And if you give me your email, I would love to. Uh... Yeah. Um, let me write that down real quick. I'm mm -hmm. running around uh, trying to get things ready for school. If I can, if I can jump in real quick, um, you know, uh, what, what William is describing is a, is a huge problem for actually, um, you know, tackling, Republican candidates anywhere is if the Democratic Party at the national level, the DCCC, the DSCC, the DNC, if they don't think it's a winnable seat, they're not going to help you at all. Um, right. I was I was out in West Virginia. I canvassed for Paula Jean Swearingen and Hillary Turner <clears throat> last year after my primary was over. Um, I went out. Uh, I went out to uh, um, to Huntington for for a week. Uh, canvassed all over. Um, South Southwest uh, West Virginia, and met some really good local Democratic Party chairs who were uh, who were very frustrated with the state Democratic Party because the state Democratic Party you had four women running, four progressive women running, three congressional seats in the Senate, and they were getting zero help from the state party at all. So yeah. um, we really have to work on changing the culture of the Democratic Party so that they are willing to take risks on candidates, even if it doesn't look like they're going to win. Because, you know, I mean, take Brandon Congress, for instance. You know, we've got a lot of great candidates running on the Brandon Congress ticket. Most of them are not going to win. But you run the race to push the message. And that's where the Democratic Party as an institution loses. Right. Yeah, and, and I agree. I'm I'm fully on board with that. And so, what I've been working to do with um with with what uh, you know my outreach, w w working with Melanie, we've been able to put together couple together a list of about. Oh, hold on, wait. Somebody's. Uh, oh look, there's Maxwell for uh, Maxwell. Um, I'd really like to talk to you, Maxwell. I'm very excited about this. Um, but uh, as I was just saying, Melanie and I have put together a list of about 177 candidates. And I'll just let, let Maxwell hear this too. I've talked with David about uh, looking for candidates under 30. And you were the first one we found. We're really excited about, about um, you know, 177 people. Candidates is a lot. And that's just for the House. That doesn't include the Senate. That doesn't include the... Um, the governorships. And so um, right now, um, you know, Natalie James, I, I encourage all of you to, to follow Natalie. She, she gave me an idea for how she's running things and she's connected with 26 other progressives. Well, 26 other candidates running for, for the U S Senate and across the country. 
And so I think that if we want to to win, and if we want to win in numbers big enough to hold the House and to hold the Senate um, and and expand our, our, our majorities, I really think that we need to build coalitions ourselves. I don't think that we need, we should be waiting for the party infrastructure to do it for us because they've shown us that they're not. Um, and so let me see here. I'm going to give, um, let's see, ad speaker. Um, if I may jump in for a second, um, my, my email, um, William Compton for Kentucky at gmail.com. Okay. William Compton for, and then K Y Kentucky for, uh huh, at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, I would be more than happy, William, to help you. Um, I can show you how it's really easy to show you how to um, get a branded um, custom domain email address. So that, that would be like William at WilliamCompton.com or something like that. And yeah. also since you're an educator, um, there's a woman named Jennifer Jenkins in Brevard County. She was part of the, uh, of the uh, school board who's been harassed relentlessly. And, um, you know, I, I talked with her a little bit. I, I would really like to track uh, school board races as well. And so if you're interested in doing that for the Kentucky area, um, you know, please give me a, 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 a uh, email. And um, yeah, we, um, love um, the, the problem um, that I have in my area with school boards is that they don't post anything. And when you go to ask our county clerk, it's like they try and hide everything from everybody, even in person. And yeah. so I've actually been trying to recruit people on our school board with me being a teacher. You know, some of the things they've recently done has been crazy. Um, and they've just have not wanted to share the information. It's been like pulling teeth. Um, and I also wanted to say when I speak to people, even if they're outside of my district, I've been telling them like, hey, I am running in Kentucky's second congressional district, but mm -hmm. everything I do is going to ultimately affect you. Right. And that's why you need to have stake in this race. And that's why you need to focus on helping me if you want someone to actually help for you, stand up for you. And I've had a lot of people, oh, I didn't think about it like that. And yeah. helping me across the state. So it, it's been a very positive message to send to them. Excellent. Jason, well, I have, um, uh, Justin, I have a quick question for William. How sure. the how did the uh, redistricting uh, either make it more competitive for you or make it less competitive for you? I haven't been able to dive deep into the numbers yet. Um, I just know which counties, again, have been moved for their proposed redistricting. I'm going, looking at the counties that have been lost and we've gained, I would say that my district is probably about the same, um, just the way they did everything. But I know there's other districts in Kentucky that it's, they've cushioned it for the incumbent. So. And was it was it a, a an independent commission that did it, or was it a partisan thing through the legislature? It was partisan. The uh, yeah, the GOP House they did the House seats, and our GOP Senate they did the congressional and then the Senate seats. 
yeah, another another reason we need our Voting Rights Act passed quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, William, if you can, I, I, we should stay in touch, absolutely stay in touch. And you're welcome to stay for the entirety of the show and, and get back in touch. I see that Maxwell Frost is here. I'm really excited to talk to him. Before I do, I just want to take note that Theo Demel is in here. Theo Demel is a youth activist in New York and he's 14 and he already helped, uh, was a campaign manager for somebody running for, running for, um, New York mayor and he started as a as a youth activist when he was eight years old um, organizing events for Bernie Sanders and I'm really proud of him his mom's been on the show he's awesome and um, you know I, I just want to ask you Theo how are you doing in, in your math class oh I'm doing great actually got a tutor um, I actually want to say Maxwell I, you really inspire me I read about you on Teen Vogue and I've been following your campaign closely same with you, Jason. I've been following your campaign really closely. Um, so it's really cool to finally, like, kind of meet you guys. <laughs> well, right. well, Theo, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the floor up to, to Maxwell to, for him to talk. But make sure you you tell your mom that if ten o'clock comes around and you're still talking, that that you should get permission to stay up, okay? Because. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Maxwell, I would love, I'd love to hear about. Hold your on, campaign. I'm sorry, I need to go back a second. Where do we get these copies of Teen Vogue that Max is in? Max, you've been holding out on me. <laughs> it was an online um, list that they did um, a few weeks back. Um, I don't have a physical copy, but that would be great if I could find one. My I'm imagining you in like Teen Beat now, like as the uh, future <laughs> political star. Oh my god, no. Uh... Well, um, Max, uh, you know, uh, David, uh, I'm in, I live in South Florida and I'm in the same district. I, I'm like one, literally one street outside of, of Ted Deutsch's district in, in Fort Lauderdale. So I've, I'm basically in David Hogg's district and um, the March for Our Lives is incredibly important to me. I've been to every one of their functions from, you know, 2018 to to. to um, you know, as recently as I, I watched uh, Eric Swalwell uh, announce he was running for, for office live in, um, in Sunrise. And so um, I'm really excited about you as a candidate because David's got behind you. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, you being so young. And so like, I would love to hear, you know, I know that you're a musician as, a, as your background. I'd love to hear what, what it's like being a first time candidate what what hurdles you're facing, what you didn't expect would you know would come from running for office, and like just you know and just let me know about about what you've got going on. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to meet everybody, Theo. It's great to to meet you. I just gave you a follow. Would love to connect. Um, definitely you know, with you sometime. Um, and I can't say for too long. Uh, my girlfriend's making some dinner tonight, but <laughs> you know, um, it's great to meet everybody. I would say for me, some of the greatest challenges I found as a first time candidate um, are, I think, surround gaining the legitimacy and credibility you need um, to like gain a lot of political support from people, especially locally. Um, it, young folks, especially like black and brown young people, have a really hard time finding like that institutional support that a lot of other candidates, you know, start off with, whether or not it's like 
uh, endorsements from organizations or big money or anything like that. When I first decided I was going to run or when I was first thinking about it, I had conversations with about like 200 people in my community. And the way this all started is back in January. Well, even further back last year during the Black Lives Matter uprising, I was one of the organizers here in Orlando. Right. I was the national organizing director at March for Our Lives. So I worked at a nonprofit nine to five on Zoom because it was COVID. And then at five o'clock, I'd you know grab a slice of pizza, grab my backpack and go out and protest till about one or two a.m. And that was my life for about six months. Um, earlier this year, I went to dinner with a couple of organizers from that and they all kind of <laughs> cornered me and they said, Max, you, you should run for, for Congress. You should run for office. The first thing I said was, hell no. <laughs> right? That's the first thing I said. I was like, I'm all right. <laughs> I love my job. I get to work with young people across the country. We're building out this organization. I mean, this is or, this is what I want to do, but, but thank you for the consideration. I'm flattered. Um, but they kind of planted a seed right in my mind. They planted something and I kept thinking about it. I got together a group of both national and local, just like political folks I know from my work, because for, you know, for people who don't know, I've been working like professionally in politics um, since right out of high school, actually. Um, and like moved my schooling to be online. And, uh, you know, I told them, listen, I want to explore this and you, I respect all of you. And if every single one of you agrees that we can win this, then I'll do it. Um, but if we, you know, if there's any kind of hesitation then I don't want to do it because I was tired of seeing, uh, you know, people run for office and folks think that they were just running to move the field, right? Like I'm not running to move a field to be more progressive. I'm not running to get people to talk about gun violence, not, not, you know, not to sound like cocky or anything, but I don't need to run for office to do that. Right. Like I worked at March for our lives before that I worked at the ACLU and we were able to move people without running for office. Um, I'm running to win. Right. I'm running to help redefine what politics means in this country, because we're currently in a country where we're surrounded by a politics of survival, um, a politics of what you need to earn to live. I want to talk about a, po a politics of what can people what do people need to thrive in their lives? You know, what what can we as the richest country on the face of this earth provide to our citizens, every single person, no matter who they are, so they can live their wildest dreams and do what they want to do in life? I mean, think about Langston Hughes. He wrote What Happens to a Dream Deferred? Does it wither away? This campaign's about creating a world where we never have to ask that question again. Mm -hmm. And for me, the courage um, to ask for more, to demand for more, and to even take a step back and say what can be different is something that we're lacking all across the country, both on the you know municipal level, state level, and federal level. And so for me, um, I, I see myself as a part of a bigger, a bi you know, a puzzle piece and a bigger puzzle. And there's a ton of great progressive candidates on here right now and across the country who are part of that puzzle as well. I'm working to redefine what politics means in this country. So that way, the next generation of folks, um, it's not radical to say we deserve uh, better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that that you're very well spoken and I am as excited as I thought I was going to be to hear from you. So, um, you know, I, I would really suggest that you um, follow Natalie James for, for Senate. She also was a Black Lives Matter um, uh, organizer uh, back in 2020. And, you know, it really, it really influenced her to run for office as well. And I think that that you know that you two would um, you know just, just it would be beneficial. I'm trying to she she and Chris Jones is running for governor. Um, 
I'm trying to get the Reverend Dr. Uh, William Barber to pay attention to them because I mean, I've marched with, with Dr. Barber and the poor people's campaign in Washington, DC. And it was amazing. And I think that that places, you know, really red places like Arkansas and, you know, lots of Florida could really benefit from, from that kind of leadership. And so yeah. um, I, I would, I would really like to, uh, I know that, that I see Ruth Gao and Joshua still here. I, before while I have you all here, I'd like to introduce myself a little bit, and and because some of you may have heard, some of you haven't. I found I helped found the Vigil for Democracy in San Francisco. I live in Florida, but I, I went to to San Francisco in order to learn how to be a political organizer. And I stood in front of Nancy Pelosi's office for three weeks with a megaphone, telling her, "Impeach the motherfucker already," because <laughs> it was time. And uh, you know, our group then went around and we we sent impeach banners and impeach stickers around around the country, and we targeted um, districts that were leaning on the fence about about impeachment, and and we didn't stop until we we got it. And since then, um, the the people at the vigil in San Francisco they have successfully um, shut down the Golden Gate Bridge, and we, we've we've uh, been to D.C. twice, one for the once for the uh, the People versus Fossil Fuels event. And before that, we, we helped organize um, a Swarm the Senate event where we got 2,000 people from around the country flown in next day in order to, to, um, to protest during the impeachment processes for, for, fair, for fair, uh, a fair trial. Um, now, I have a plan that's focused on activism, media, and elections, okay? And, and really, we need to get uh, activists running for for political office. We need to get people that are in office and running for office, we need to train them and, and how to engage in direct action. And we, we both of these people need media outlets, news aggregates, uh, um, uh, and new speakers, people like David, uh, Brian Taylor Green, Cohen, um, David Pakman, you know, politics girl, but also there are so many others. And I wanna try to, to link these, all of us together so that instead of operating within our own small confines, we actually have an, uh, the ability to work within a broader coalition of people that could really benefit from this kind of uh, of of you know uh, of a group. And so um, you know, I, I just you know, I, I'll give you you know some some words. I know you can't stay too long, Maxwell, but if you want to close up, um, I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I, I've got so much data on Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Ohio, uh, Georgia, Kentucky, um, there's nine altogether, of all the detailed uh, uh, like numbers about how much people raised for the 2020 elections on both the Democrat and the Republican side. And you know, I'm building a similar uh, spreadsheet again for 2022. That sounds amazing. I mean, I, you know, fundraising and a lot of these, I, I guess, like, and, and so folks know when I like working in politics, I did field, I did organizing. That was what I did. Um, I didn't really know much about <clears throat> uh, fundraising or anything like that. Now I feel like I know a lot about fundraising because I was, I came on when Jason was talking and, um, you know, I too like spend a, a lot of my day on the phone talking with folks about my race, my candidacy, who I am, my story, and in hopes that they'll donate to the campaign. 
We've had some really good early success with fundraising, um, especially last quarter. We were able to outraise every candidate in our race, which automatically propelled us to a place of legitimacy, which sucks, right? Like, I mean, I want to fight for a system where I'm for publicly funded elections. I, you know, I want more poor and working class people to be able to run for office. Um, but money is a huge barrier. And so unfortunately, we kind of have to play play the game well now to get into to, to change it and to make it easier for folks to be able to run for office. Um, and we put in a lot of work and this is difficult. I mean, this is the most this is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And a lot of people don't know this, but I mean, you know, I had to quit my job to run for Congress. Um, I still have bills to pay. I'm I'm 24. I mean, I turned 25 in like a week, but I'm 24. Um, I don't have a ton of money in the bank. I Uber at night to to pay my rent. Right? I like I'm on call time for like six hours a day, and then we're out at events, and then I go and I Uber from about 9 p.m. to midnight, um, so I can you know pay my rent and and pay what I need to pay. And I'm not saying that because I don't want anyone to feel bad for me or anything like that. There's a lot of candidates who work um, and, and campaign at the same time like that, but we just need to make it easier for folks to be involved. I think we're going to have a better system, but we've put in a lot of work this quarter. I'm really excited about our numbers. I think that the, the numbers we're going to put out this quarter are um, going to even propel us even further and put us in a place where we can really um, hire more staff and, and have a program that's going to help change uh, Florida politics. And so we're excited about it, but yeah, I would love to chat more Justin in the future because I really want to help other candidates in the future be in a, in a good position to run these campaigns, hire the staff they need and, and, and win. And for us, it's been sitting at a kitchen table with my friends, calling people um, and, and, you know, triple dialing, quadruple dialing. I mean, it's just me and a bunch of my like me and a bunch of black and brown youth around a table calling people asking for money. We've been able to build this campaign through that um, and, uh, you know, want to help other folks, um, you know, kind of know how to do that as well. So. Either way, thanks, Justin. I really appreciate it. Would love to talk more about that in the um, future. Well, well, wait one second. Your, your email, um, Maxwell, your email? Is there, a, is there an email that I can uh, I can get in touch with you at and, and send you, like, my spreadsheets and stuff? Yeah, for sure. I'll, um, is, there's like an, I'll, I'll DM it to you. Okay, um, you got it. You got it. And uh, also, just, um, just so, one second, Theo. Just so you're aware, um, I have found a platform called Open Collective, which um and i've worked to set up a fiscal host uh for the vigil for democracy and so in just a few weeks i will be able to allow any activist group across the country i set up as an llc to prevent any any issues with with like nonprofit stuff but any any kind of activist group will be able to apply underneath my fiscal host and use our bank account to, and then we'll be able to operate as a business without having to incorporate or organize. So like Black Lives Matter or, you know, like my Vigil for Democracy or, you know, any any kind of group. It, it's a really great platform and it replaces the need to have a GoFundMe, a Patreon, a PayPal uh, and a website because it does all that stuff. So um, I'll, wow, DM you I'll DM you information if you're interested about that. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on. It's great to meet everybody. Um, I'm going to go have dinner. Thank you. Nice to meet great you, talking. Jason. Okay. Um, I see uh, Ruth is here, and Ruth hasn't had a chance to talk. I do see that, that – um, where's Josh? Oh, Joshua left, I think. Okay, but Ruth, if, if you'd like to have the floor for a little bit, I'd love to hear about you in Kentucky. I'm interested in Kentucky. My ex-husband – 
lives there and I was just there last year, this year, actually, just a few months ago. Yeah, cool. Um, can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay, and I think I think Joshua's here. I think I see him in the list, but I don't think he's a speaker yet. Uh, there he is. Um, okay. <laughs> he's hiding. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the things that Maxwell said would resonate very well um, or resonate with me. Um, yeah, being young, not having a background in politics, it's definitely been much of an uphill climb trying to figure out where to get the funding, where to get the connections to try to get endorsements, to try to get um, you know your foot in the door with those important um, meetings and those important conversations. Um, yeah. Part of what propelled me to want to run was over the last election in COVID, I just was constantly frustrated. I'd come home and complain to my husband. Why are people not doing this? Why are we not fixing this? Why, why are they not talking about this? Why did they end up doing this? That was so dumb. Um, and I kind of then looked at myself and it was like, I should be part of the solution. So started looking at, hey, where do I want to run? What are the conversations I want to be engaged in? And um, yeah, the Senate just became where I was like, this would be a really great place to be part of those conversations. And I'm sure this is news to all of you, but the average age of senators is like 64 or 65. Um, and kind of like what Maxwell was saying, like, there's so much change we need to see. And I don't think that a lot of our policymakers are really thinking ahead to the future for when we're old and retired, but also for our kids and their kids and, you know, their kids, the future generations. Um, issues like climate change are a really core issue to me is a livable wage. I mean, every 10, 15 years, we have this huge debate about raising the minimum wage. And now we're stuck with wage that is not livable at all. And, you know, how can we make that sustainable so that people's, so that wage is rising with inflation and we're not having to have these arguments so that our kids are guaranteed a livable wage? Um, and so I'm, I'm just excited with the people I have met and like tonight listening to folks of, I think the hope for the future, even as hard as it is for us as young ones to get our foot in the door, uh, the hope of being able to create these conversations and hopefully begin to see changes more and more young people who have this type of vision are elected, then we can together um, connect to, to see this change. Right. Right. Well, um, Ruth, what 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 district are you running? Oh, you're running for U.S. Senate. OK. Yeah. Now, where where are you based? How far are you away from Lexington? I was at I, I've been to Lexington and I really actually really liked it. It smelled yeah. good when you got out of the when, when you smell good when you got out of the airport. I mean, it doesn't okay. smell good when you get out of the airport in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, so I live in Louisville um, and okay. I, I really like it as well. Um, my husband's a software engineer and sometimes he gets frustrated with like the lack of new business or development. But to me, that's part of what we could do. Like there's a lot of potential in this state um, if we just have the right people to expand on that. But yeah, I, I lo really love it here. And what, what did you do before you started running for the Senate? Yeah. Um, so I first uh, worked as um, kind of in higher ed. It was like, I don't know if you know, like some schools will, like outsource their business to these companies. They'll basically run their like online higher ed departments. Um, mm -hmm. So I was an enrollment manager for that. Oh, enrollment counselor and the manager for that. Um, and then I actually ended up working at Chick-fil-A for two years um, as the drive-through director. Um, so, you know, the saying like whoever runs the Chick-fil-A drive-through um, should run the government. I learned a lot of skills there as far as like management, you know, what does efficiency look like, people skills and stuff. And then now I'm not working. I'm actually blessed that my husband makes enough that I don't have to. So I can focus yeah. on the campaign. 
Well, that's I know that's not everyone's story, but yeah. Yeah, um, and also, like, I noticed certain things, and this is this goes for all candidates because I have been, um, I have a computer science degree, and I am the biggest tech nerd, and uh, you know, like, I know a lot about encrypted uh, communications and website yeah. design and just a lot of thing, things like that. I noticed that you have um, a website at start.page. And if you want help getting a website set up and doing it securely, like every candidate should know that when you're running for office, when, before you get actually elected to office, you should be using um, ProtonMail. And it's very easy to set up and so you can route all of your mail through ProtonMail. ProtonMail is based in Switzerland. It It is the safest email system out there. And, okay. and um, I mean, you can, it's that way Google doesn't have access to what you're doing or Microsoft doesn't have access to what yeah. you're doing. Okay. And like the only way that um, people can get access to, because it's outside of the 14i surveillance they have to go to a court in Switzerland in order to try to, to get information from you and they don't read okay. all of your information. And so, you know, it, it's by far the most secure system. So for, for people in really competitive races where you're going, you're going to get hacked, you're going, it's going to happen, uh, yeah. you know, and, and everybody should also be using signal app. Um, I mean, you should just use it on, on any one of your phones. It should be default and, um, you know, uh, things like that. I would be more than happy to consult with you and help you out. It's just gratis, just because I, I you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna build the coalition, uh, you know, if unless we start helping one another. Absolutely, yeah, I would love that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Do you have like speaking of that? Do you have the best email to reach me at? You probably see it on my website. Could you, can you guys hear me? Yes, no. Okay, sorry. Yep. I, I, I lost access to the, like, everything disappeared for a second. I thought that everything crashed. Um, did, how much did you hear, Ruth? <laughs> um, I heard, yeah, I heard you talking about, like, uh, email and, like, signal and then saying that you would be happy to, like, consult or help. Okay. And then I think, I think that was probably where okay and so yeah i have detailed information on kentucky races that i'd be more than happy to give to you because if you have time to focus on your races and, and run for senate i mean uh, what natalie james she's really inspired me natalie james i cannot speak more highly of of her because she really gave me the idea for creating this coalition and we were successful in doing this in in, in arkansas and arkansas is completely red but not too long ago, it was really blue. And so we were able yeah. to go and find people to run for all of the offices that needed to be run for. And we're, you know, like, and we could, I could even help you um, with spreadsheets for the, uh, the races for state legislatures, the state house, the state Senate. I'd be more than happy to give you all that. Okay. Data, okay? That would be wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, What's your email? Yeah. Do you need my email or? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, um, the best one probably is info at ruthgow.com. Okay. You got it? Yeah. Okay. Justin. Yeah, Melanie, what's up? 
Um, Bonnie has a couple questions, and also Ronnie Ray is on the phone. He's another candidate that joined us to speak tonight. Okay, I'm going to give Ronnie Ray an invite to speak. Uh, Joshua has been here for forever, and I would love for him to be able to go first after after you know Bonnie has has the chance to ask her questions because Joshua has been so you know patient. Okay. Joshua? Yes, I'm sorry. I thought uh, Bonnie was asking her questions first. Yeah, I, 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 get, I, I made her a speaker, but you've been like you've been here and you've been waiting, and I would love to be able to give you a a, um, a chance to talk. But Bonnie, do you? What are your questions? Do you have any questions you're going to ask, sweetheart? Well. Okay, you can jump in when you when you figure out how to work your phone, okay? She's not so good with technology. Okay, I just... <laughs> Go ahead, I'm Bonnie. right here. Can you hear me now? Okay, yeah. I just wanted to... Um, this is to William Hay. Um, just a quick point of reference. You know what? And this, I think, it's really sad. Democrat Party, it's the most insulting, offensive thing there is. That was started by the GOP. And just oh, you're, an absolute slur. You're it's breaking, the Democratic Party. It's the Democratic Party. Okay, yeah. straight up. Number one. Number two. Okay. And it's not labor unions per se. You go to the labor councils of every in even in red places, even in smaller U.S. cities, there is a labor council every city. Hello. Okay. And all of the yeah. local labor unions belong to those. All the buildings. CWA, also the unions belong to those. Those were my only two points. I'm going to get off and say no, 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 no. somebody um, else. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you, you were great. I, I, uh, you, you kind of like cut out there. You said labor councils, and then you cut out. Okay, the labor councils of every major U.S. city. Every city's got one that has you know any presence at all because all the building <sighs> trades belong to these and other union too there's cwa there's many other unions sei all unions uh, belong to these labor councils and they work in concert with people's campaigns uh, they Bonnie. will come out they will walk for you oh is are you losing me or something yeah you know what i want to give joshua a chance to talk but bonnie we need to connect no, you, because uh, huh yeah i can't yeah, hear no, that's you fine. We, We'll, we'll figure we'll figure it out we'll figure That's out a so way weird. for you to talk okay um joshua why don't you jump okay, on in here? sure thanks justin so for those who are not familiar with me my name is josh wheel i'm a progressive democrat running for u.s senate down in florida um by career i am a high school math teacher i've been a public school teacher for uh the last decade and this is uh, this is my first race and big jump into politics. Um, I'm running for U.S. Senate because, as a uh, Democrat in Florida, the you there? Oh wait, no. Did we lose Joshua? Let's see. Yeah, he wants to. Yeah, no, I can't we, hear my... 
Yeah, we lost. I think we lost you, uh, Joshua. Yeah, I can't hear anything. Oh, there you go. You're back. Yeah. As a progressive Democrat in Florida, it is <laughs> quite a frustrating state. Um, we actually we're right at about 50-50 in terms of Democrats and Republican voters in the state now. Um, and that number continues to kind of waffle back and forth because Democrats continue to engage and register more voters and the Republican leadership in the governor's mansion and state legislator continue to find ways to purge voter rolls and get them back off. Um, but this is a state that has had a heavy, heavy advantage for the last for forever. It's, it's been winnowing down. But for the last two decades, it has had a solid advantage and yet has lost every closely contested race for um, or every just contested race, really, for U.S. Senate and governor, any of our major statewide races to Republicans. Uh, we haven't had a Democrat in the governor's office uh, since Jeb Bush was elected in 1998. And again, elected in a state that had a significant majority of Democratic voters. Um, the most exciting uh, and engaging thing we had in politics was Andrew Gillum's campaign in 2018. And it was a, a huge eye opener as well, because it really shed a lot of light on to what our state Democratic Party had been doing, um, what they continue to do in terms of trying to... Uh, spotlight, roll out the carpet for donors, try to highlight and essentially anoint a big corporate-backed um, moderate candidate for each of their big statewide races as early in the primary process as possible. Um, and in 2018, that was Gwen Graham. Um, and Andrew Gillum beat her. Um, and they were not expecting it. And what we saw was we saw a really ugly side of our state Democratic Party as they refused to really support and help him with funding. Uh, we saw him, you know, really just out there on his own and doing an amazing job traveling the state. I think we lost him again. The, this Indeed, we lost him, yeah. Yeah, these Twitter, these Twitter spaces have a tendency to... Um, to, to do this. It's still buggy. Um, so I'm looking for him. Here we go. Sorry about that, Joshua. Go ahead. Oh, we're, um, well, since, since, uh, just, just request it again, but just so you know, Joshua, uh, there's two things that two things that Florida voters are, are up against. First of all, uh, reality winner um, was put in jail for 63 months for for leaking one do single document, which exposed the Russian election interference in 2016. And uh, the result of that showed that um, Russia hacked within Florida's uh, voter registration databases in two separate counties. And Ron DeSantis is has refused to tell us which the two counties those were. Um, and he says he is under a non-disclosure agreement in order to not disclose that information. So who else gives non-disclosure agreements, you know? Um, now that is something that, that every, every person running for office in Florida needs to be aware of that because it is the, the, the really the most important um, uh, fact because 
it, it's going to be an uphill battle no matter what. Um, second, second. Um, uh, now, since you're going up against Marco Rubio, I hate Marco Rubio with a passion. I hate him. I despise him. His Bible quotes are the worst thing I've ever, ever, ever have to read. Okay. So I have detailed information. Um, first of all, everybody should know Marco Rubio is gay. He's gay, 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 gay. Okay. And, and, and there's no bigger um, hypocrite in the world than Marco Rubio. And I have detailed information that shows that uh, Leonard Blavatsky, a Russian oligarch, put a million dollars into the Senate leadership, uh, the Senate Majority Fund, which is a super PAC that was meant to uh, elect him in 2016. He put it six months after Rubio was elected on the same day that Rubio announced that his um, Senate offices had been hacked by Russia. The same exact day, May 31st. And so um, I would be happy, more than happy to give you all of that information, Josh. And, and you know, it's detailed. I bring receipts. So uh, you're more than happy to DM me and get that info, okay? Oh. Can I ask something really quick, Justin? Sure, go ahead. Joshua. Um, he's, it's extremely facts what he's saying in terms of the um, Democratic support for our state. I'm also encountering the same situation as uh, many of our progressive candidates are running against. Um, and obviously, Gillum as well at the very beginning. No support um, caused the compliance attorneys mute, caused to their environmental activists on their side, on the, on the corporate side of the Democrat side. It's completely mute. Um, so you're basically on your own on an isolated island. And then as far as basically running their corporate mainstream candidates, they will Wait, do whatever um, it takes to suppress your voices. So, Mark Rubio, I know, I knew this about Lindsey Graham, but Mark Rubio's gay? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Welcome back, Sorry, I made it back just in time. Yeah. Um, did you hear anything I said? I did. I did. I caught. I, I did. I caught a lot of that. I was in as a listener, um, and before I got back on speaker, um, and yeah, uh, the the wild thing though, and this is you know, um, with our state Democratic Party, is that progressive policies are incredibly popular here in the state. For example, in 2018, we passed um, the same year that Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum. We passed um, uh, voter. Um, voter right uh, reinstatement for uh, convicted felons, right? So those who had lost their voting rights got it reinstated. That passed at s above 70%, right? So when you look at the number of people who voted, there were 8.1 people voted, 8.1 million people voted in the election. To pass at 70% means that uh, basically 40, 42% of the people who voted for DeSantis supported... Started. Felony voter right reinstatement. Um, we've passed increasing the minimum wage. We've uh, passed uh, legalizing marijuana. We've passed all of our progressive policies that have bypassed our super majority, uh, super gerrymandered state legislature and have gone directly to the people, pass with incredible amounts of votes because Republican governors have been neglecting the people of Florida for more than two decades. There is tremendous need across the state. Progressive policies are what can and will win in this state. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's where we need to go. And unfortunately, because of, as a number of other candidates mentioned, this this idea of conserving resources and backing out of un, not supporting unwinnable races in so many of our rural counties here, what we found is there's an inability for Democratic candidates to get a platform to speak because, you know, as a political, as an elected official, you can speak anywhere. You can speak for any not-for-profit organization. You can speak at any, you know, event. You can go to schools. You can go to, you know, any sort of open event. It's much more limited when you're a political candidate who is not an elected official. Uh, The number of places that you're eligible to speak and have access to diminishes greatly. And we have, out of 67 counties in Florida, we have more than 40 of them that don't have a single Democrat at any level, from Soil and Water Commissioner up to State House or Senate, don't have a single elected Democrat, which means there is no one. The only people who can get into those spaces and have access to regularly speak are Republicans because the state Democratic Party has punted on them for 10 to 20 years, depending on what part of the state it is. They made it incredibly difficult for us to get back in by conceding so much ground to Republicans. But I've traveled the state. I've been everywhere from Pensacola to Miami. And the thing is, is that progressive policies are popular. Republicans need help, too. And in these rural counties, man, they want something real. Um, They don't want to see more corporate candidates. They are disgusted when they hear candidates bragging about raising eight, 12, 15 million dollars so quickly because they know where that comes from. They know that if you're taking contributions from Aetna and Cigna and Blue Cross, that you are never going to support them getting access to health care. Right. So, um, Joshua, you know, you said you were, you did math, right? Were you the one that did math? I am a high school math teacher, still do. So you like spreadsheets, right? I, I, I spend a lot of time in spreadsheets. I, I have detailed information on the 2020 races for Florida. I, I mean, for Florida, Texas, Colorado. You heard me say this before. I will get that to, all of that information to you. I've got detailed information, all spreadsheets just ready to be filled out for the the Florida State Senate and State House. Um, And I really suggest that you follow Jennifer Jenkins and Brevard if you're not already. Mm -hmm. She, um, you know, she's somebody, she and her neighbor, uh, Matt Fleming, I've talked with him quite a bit. He does these amazing threads where he outlines and researches all of the, the, um, you know, Republican Party apparatus, things like Moms for Liberty, which you may or may not be aware Mm -hmm. of that goes around and Okay, you know, like the, how it started in Florida and what's going on. Um, I, I will be more than happy to get all of that to you. And, and um, because, you know, what we, what we all need to be aware of is that, okay, for the candidates here, we're going to either win our primaries or we're not. And we're either going to win our races or we're not. But then when it's over, it, what happens? Because we all, we've all built these political apparatuses, these, these political infrastructures, and so, you know, creating a coalition where we can build off of this with, with one another and so that we can help grow these coalitions and this infrastructure and creating a, um, a, a distributed system in which we can all, like, we create a safety net of our own, you know, regardless of party apparatus or party affiliation. And um, now uh, there's two things I think I would like to point out. One now, David Jolly, okay, I, now I, I'm a progressive. Ro Khanna is, has called me a progressive, okay? I voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, I know that, 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 that I know that a lot of people have a lot of 
feelings about that. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, was in um, San Francisco. I learned how to be an organizer and used to have monthly calls with Rokana. He's a, he's an amazing guy. Um, that said, uh, you know, we, 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 David Jolly is a man of integrity. I have done a lot of research. I come with receipts and he started something called the Sam party, which is a serving America movement. And, uh, you know, like we, it may be, it may just, it's just something that people should be aware of because it's becoming a, a movement. Now, he, for those who may not know, David Jolly is, uh, used to be in the seat that Charlie Chris holds right now in Florida. And, but even though he's one of the most conservative members of Congress, he's also one of the most bipartisan and the party that he's working on is focused on reestablishing, um, reestablishing uh, voter rights across the board without, you know, without restriction. And so, I mean, it's, it's just it's something to take note of because we need to look at novel ideas and, and, and be bold with how we, we approach things. And um, uh, lastly, uh, you know, I, I heard you talk really well about Andrew Gillum. I really loved Andrew Gillum's campaign. Okay. And, you know, um, I have, uh, you know, I'm willing to make hard statements and, and, and tell hard truths. And what many of you may not be aware of is that after the election, uh, someone, some Republican operative had someone else meet Andrew Gillum in a bar after the election and gave him GHB and took these horrible, heinous pictures and these horrible, heinous acts. And then Candace Owen put the dot there. And so all of you running for office need to be aware that that is what's that is what now our new normal is and that is wrong okay and so and let without me telling you guys this that may that may be something that you guys were not aware of okay <laughs> but it, it it should be and so when i talk about security when i talk about about um you know keeping yourself safe online or using signal app or or you know pre preventing yourself from getting hacked you know, it, it the, there are reasons. And so anyone running for office, especially people in Florida, need to be especially conscious and aware. And I think that the coalition that I'm talking about building is, is even more important in places like that. And so um, I will be happy, Josh, to send you my resume um, and let you see like my list of accomplishments and everything and what I can do for you um, uh, as an activist and you know, as a technical person, um, you know, uh, so if, if, uh, what's your email? He needs to get back on speaker. He disconnected. Oh no. Oh no. But when he gets back on, I, I would like to ask him a couple things. Dark, dark day. And you've got guys, this is to two members, this is to, to, to uh, Meadows and Jordan. We have a clear plan. Oh. Info at Wheel for U.S. Senate, um, just like the Twitter handle, W-E-I-L, the number four U.S. Senate. So info at Wheel for U.S. Senate.org. Okay, you got it. Wheel for Senate.org. And again, I will just make this statement before I close out. Follow uh, Natalie James. 
Okay, Natalie James has been great. And, and I think that as many people running for Senate as possible is a good thing. And I think that the more people running for Senate that, that, that talk and communicate, I think y'all can help each other a lot. Um, now, I see um, it, it's been great talking with all of you guys. Let me see. I see uh, Ronnie Ray is here. I gave him an invite that he didn't accept. Um, I would I would like to... Um, is there anyone else that wants to, to talk or has something to say? Oh, oh I see. Yeah, do you mind if I, if I ask jo uh, Joshua a couple questions? Please, Marl, please. And, and you know, you can, Marl's running for governor, everyone. He, he um, I've taken him for granted this episode. He's running for governor in Florida. So. What's up, Mara? Hey, Joshua. We met, we met on Mike's, Mike Fox's and um, Jim Lankford's uh, uh, meeting the other day. So it's really, it's really exciting to see you here, see you here. Uh, I'm sorry, that. somebody, somebody has, I, I'm going to interrupt for one quick second. Someone has their um, uh, mute button that needs to go. I think Bonnie. Yeah, I got it. There you go. Okay, it's done. Go ahead, Amara. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, so it's really amazing to see Josh, Joshua in, in, in this process. And it's so amazing also to see so many educators taking a stand against injustices, and especially in the state where... Um, Teachers have been completely under attack, and and I, I love to see that that pushback that that um, people like Joshua and others have um, engaged in and, and trying to take back uh, democracy, especially in our classrooms. And for uh, and maybe, maybe Joshua doesn't know this about me. I am a I am a uh, my my great uncle. He's one of the um, well, he was he passed away, but he's one of the uh, exiles of in Miami that helped get Marco Rubio elected into office. And um, whatever I could do to help you unseat him in the reverse, I will provide whatever help I can as well in terms of um, helping your campaign in a coalition or however way we could do this to, to defeat this monster. Excellent. Well, excellent. Excellent. Um, so, and uh, just for any of the candidates that are in here, uh, we didn't do introductions all over. Snowden Bishop is a close friend, business partner, and she, you know, she she's helped me um, come up with a lot of the ways of, of handling this forum that we're using right now. Um, she has a, a nationally syndicated radio show called C The Cannabis Reporter, and uh, you know, she knows everything there is to know about cannabis, and she's really fighting for cannabis legalization. Uh, across the country. And so if any of you need help with, um, you know, or, or, or you know, uh, have an interest in that, she is a, a great uh, resource. And, you know, she has her own radio show at, on the issue. So just so that you all are aware of who else is in the room. Justin? Yes. Ronnie Ray did not get your invite to speak. Ronnie Ray? Yes, he did. Hold on. I will... Hold on. Okay. Um, let me see. Okay. I'm going to cancel his invite. Okay. Um, okay. I'm uh, Ronnie Ray. I'm inviting him to speak right now. Hold on. Wait. I think I just accidentally let someone else be a speaker. Oh yeah, okay, Ronnie. Ronnie Ray, I, I gave him a um, an invite, and 
I notice that there is an indivisible group in here. I'm following them. Uh, yeah, just just so you're aware, indivisible in Florida. I um I helped set up the invisible Facebook apparatus in early 2017 when after the elections and everything. So I'm on the the board of of the national uh, uh, board of uh, indivisible organizers. So it's great to to see you out there. Um, okay, now there's also another organization here that um, I thought was very interesting, and I'd love to hear about it too. If if uh, they'd like to speak, make voters matter. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you could send them an invitation to speak as well. Yeah, and my phone. Also, I was thinking that it might be good to introduce uh, Vera from Vigil for Democracy as well, but I see that she's hopped off, so she's no longer here. Maybe she'll join us again. But if she comes back on, let's make her a speaker too. It looks like uh, it looks like there's a lot of people having connection issues that are being disconnected. Yeah, 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 I think I, so. I had to drop off a couple of times because of that issue. It gets really squirrely, and I think as time goes on, Twitter will work out the spaces problems, but this tends to happen. Ronnie Ray wants to know where the speaker invite shows up. Um, he has to click. I gave him the the. It'll something will pop up and then where the people are. Where okay, hold on. Let me see. Yeah. I think some people are just dropping off from the from the platform just because it's having issues tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, there's there's also there's a little bar at the bottom, Ronnie, if you can hear me. The and the bar at the bottom, um when you see it. When you click it, just tap it. It will bring a, a, a little thing up about spaces, and then it'll say "Mike is on," and then it'll have a tweet button towards the right, and then right in about in the middle, there's there's a little icon of like two little people, and if you click on that, it will say, um, it will say, you know, request to speak, cancel, invite, approve, uh, invite to speak, all of that stuff. So um, if if you can see that, I sent it to you. I've sent it to you a while ago. Oh, look, and I see, I see Joshua Blanton Sr. Okay. Oh, and yeah, he's uh, also running for uh, Senate. Yes, and he's for cannabis legalization. Look at that. Um, uh -huh. I let's see. I just followed you back, and there, Joshua, if you'd like to speak, we're having a great, great time with Kentucky tonight. Welcome, Joshua. Hello. Howard. Hi there. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How y'all doing? We're good. So you're running against Rand Paul, huh? Yep. Running against Rand Paul for his U.S. Senate seat. <laughs> so uh, what motivated you to do that? A few things. One, you know, I'm huge marijuana activist, so I want to see Kentucky legalize weed. That's one of the major factors. But, uh, you know, Rand, Rand Paul putting country, putting party above country, 
and acquitting Trump twice, that just kind of really bothered me also. You know, I would have impeached Trump twice. And even if Biden did one-fourth of what Trump did, you know, I'd put party over country and do the job too. So, you know, I feel he really disgraced his job and his office. I think all the Republicans have, for real, with the way they've been voting and doing the last few years. So, um, so what are some, what are some, tell us about your campaign. What are, what are the most, what are the, you know, what, what are the key issues that you are running to replace him for besides him being, you know, Rand Paul, like what are some of the issues that are important to you? Well, I want term limits on Congress. You know, he said he was only going to do two terms, and then now he's already lied to the Kentucky people. This is his third term. We don't want him having seven terms like Mitch McConnell. So term limits is real big to me, and I'll be so dedicated to term limits that I'll only run for one term. And I'll be pushing for term limits as hard as I can during that one term, trying to take out as many career politicians as I can. Because, you know, what really gets me about term limits is we've had several senators and House speakers, I mean, not House speakers, House representatives and senators that were in the uh, Clinton impeachment and involved in the uh, Trump impeachment. And that just means they've been in power for too long. And uh, another thing that is big on my issue is Supreme Court justices and term limits. You know, ain't nobody supposed to serve for life. Ain't no one supposed to have power for 20, 30 years, just like with the Congress. So, you know, trying to get term limits on them, I actually would like a three-party system that I feel would help with the judicial branch and the White House. Three parties, Democrat, Republic, and Independent. In the um, Supreme Court, we'd have three of each. Three Democrats, three Independents, three Republicans. Each party voting for one uh, new justice every four years when we vote for president. And uh, then that would give us a balanced and equal Supreme Court in three elections. We'd have three of every group. And then, uh, you know, they'd have 12-year term limits. And then right. three presidents, we'd have executive decisions being made with two-third votes instead of one person making all the decisions, making half of America feel like they're unrepresented in the White House. Right. Well, uh, traditionally, throughout most of the 1800s and early 1900s, um, the Supreme Court the people in the Supreme Court were chosen based on geographic location within the United States. Up until, I think, Sandra Day O'Connor, that was a, a, a common thing. Uh, Snowden, Sandra Day O'Connor is from Arizona, right? Yes, she is. Okay, yeah, and I remember that it was a really big deal because either right before her or right after her, the, there were two people from Arizona on the Supreme Court at one time, and uh, you know, and around that time, that's when everything started to change. That's when, when, when Bork and everything. But up until that time, 
what one of the most important factors in choosing Supreme Court justices was geographic location, where they where they went to school, where they lived, what what state they represented, and what geographic region they represented. But now there are so many litmus tests, and and with what the Republicans have done, it, it's not even so. It's not even just that it's a, a an issue with with term limits when it comes to Supreme Court justices. We've had our Supreme Court uh, stacked, and it's stacked against us. Okay, and and so now it's not just you know solving uh, term limits. It's just it's not going to solve things alone. Now we we have to actually stack the court in return. I mean it, it's really important, and and it's a bit uh, upsetting because th there was uh, Biden put together a group of um, an advisory board looking for guidance on um you know what we should do with the with the courts and whether or not we should expand the courts and they said that we should and then he he closed the advisory board down because there there is not a lot of um will in order to uh there's not a lot of will in order to follow up follow through on this so i mean it's just that, that that's just you know it, it, what's going on in the courts is is a really big problem and i'm i'm really happy to see that that's a, a, an important um, aspect of your campaign, Josh. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely need to do something about the Supreme Court. The president picking the Supreme Court, that's just not right because, you know, the Supreme Court is supposed to be a check and balance on the executive branch and the legislative branch. And if the president is handpicking the justices, then that's just stacking it in his favor and not being a check or a balance. And that's why I feel that if we have the three parties, you know, and if the president is handpicking the justices, then that's just stacking it. In. I think we lost. I don't know what happened there? It sounded like it was coming in over another mic. I don't know. Um, no, you're you're fine. Uh, I feel like if we vote for president and we vote for Congress, then we should be voting for Supreme Court justices. Right. Right. And, well, you know, up until up until I think it was 1920, uh, we did not get a, a, an elected vote for members of the U.S. Senate. And it, it took a, a I believe it was a Yes, it was a constitutional amendment in order to allow for the popular vote for U.S. Senate. And we could do something similar with, um, you know, the judicial branch. The problem is, is that I think that the, the first uh, uh, constitutional amendment we should focus on is ending Citizens United and and removing the you know one uh, money equals uh, votes you know um, or money equals uh, freedom of expression because it really doesn't and so I mean Citizens United overturned hundreds and hundreds of years of of um, uh, excuse me well almost 200 years of, of election finance reform in the country and, and across, uh, you know, uh, all the states. And so I think that should be our number one thing. But but voting for Supreme Court justices, um, you know, I, I guess I guess I could see benefit in that. Yeah, let's it's going to be hard if, if the justices were elected, then it would be even more political, I think. I don't know. But I'd be really interested, though, um, if you don't mind, uh, who is here from Make Voters Matter? 
That would be me. And <laughs> what is your name? Uh, my name is Rick. <laughs> Sorry about that. I realized uh, I'm on my my kind of uh, the account for Make Voters Matter. Actually, I'm the founder. Um, the other, it, what was kind of interesting. I'm multitasking, so please forgive me. Uh, trying to get some work done. I got a text message from a friend of mine in Richmond, Virginia. I'm located in Virginia, more toward the Chesapeake Bay. And all it was was a link. And I hit it and blah, you guys were here. So very nice to meet everybody. I'm more of a clubhouse guy. I don't know why Chuck sent me this, but I'm finding it very interesting and happy to join you this evening. So, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. But Virginia, say that again. Yeah, I, I just, I had a question. Are you from Is it from Virginia? Because I'm looking on your website, and there was um, requiring the the candidates that that make voters matter supports. Um, they sign sort of a pledge to. Uh, take on an anti-corruption sort of uh, campaign finance uh, protocol. And I was really interested in that because we do something similar to that in Arizona uh, where some candidates can opt out of getting the corporate donations and then they have access to the funds that are available to all candidates in the state. But since we were talking about Citizens United, it just there, there are so many things that need to be reformed in our election laws, but I'm just interested to see wh- how that works and whether it's just Virginia or if you're doing this nationwide. Yes, uh, actually, we're in Virginia because I'm in Virginia and that's where I started it. Uh, basically, I got involved with all this back in 2017 I've uh, done a bunch of stuff with Represent Us, if you, you're familiar with that. And it's grown and evolved. We've learned. And uh, although I have included some candidates from outside of Virginia this year, uh, we're doing a big push. And I'm going to try to see how many folks we can help across the, the country, actually. And, and thank you for describing to everybody kind of what we do. Very, very simple. We have a one-track mission. We're nonpartisan. What we're really looking to do is restore representation. And that pledge that you were mentioning is not between the candidate and an organization or with us. It's a, it's a pledge that they make to their constituents. They're basically promising in writing that they are going to make representing their constituents their number one priority, basically over big money and and politics. So when you talk about Citizens United, uh, it's it's the same sort of thing. Hopefully we can get rid of Citizens United. But why wait? You know, the the I've found in the past that it's very hard to talk to elected leaders uh, on the other hand, when they're running as a candidate, and every actually every elected lead, every elected uh, official is the candidate when they're running for re-election, right? 
that's the time to get them. That's the time to lock them in and get a written pledge from them. So basically, that's what we're doing. And I would love to talk with you more about Arizona and finding candidates there that we can try to help. Yeah, well, and and on a national level, too. I don't know if you heard Justin describe uh, Sam, the Sam party movement. Um, But I'd be really interested to see if if how aligned you are with what they're doing, too, because they're uh, primarily uh, disenfranchised Republicans. But um, I, I think that they're also open to running uh, Democratic candidates as well, um, who sort of take a pledge to this um, anti-corruption stance in a lot of ways. But yeah, I'd love to talk to you offline about it, um, but it's nice to meet you anyway. And are you reachable at the email that's on the website, which is the admin at makevotersmatter.org? Uh, better just, I, I mean, I'll certainly get that, but you can put Rick at Make Voters okay. Matter. And okay. uh, we, we can find a good time to hook up and, and have a actual conversation, perhaps on the phone rather than just emails, if you like. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well, thank you. Nice meeting you. Very we nice meeting you. We got Ronnie Ray straightened out. He needed to get on his phone. Oh, go ahead, Ronnie. Nice to have you back. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all my email. It's RonnieRayJenkins at gmail.com. And that way we'll get that out of the way. And, uh, Basically, I'd like to talk to several of you, Justin, especially with some of this proton mail and uh, the other things that you talked about. Um, There's a lot of good ideas out there floating around. And I don't know if he heard. I can hear you, but I'll say thank you. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. I was on mute. Sorry. Oh, okay. So, but you heard what I said. Yes, I did. Thank you. you're, yeah, uh, get in touch with me because I'd like to really talk to you about several things. Um, okay, I'm Ronnie Ray Jenkins. I'm running for the United States House of Representatives from the Rural Red District 15. And they did redistrict it. I saw the map, and it looks like the map that they're going to go with. And in reality, it's probably good for Democrats because now I'll have all of Center County, which encompasses Penn State University. And my target audience is the young voter of today. This is what we're going after, all the young voters, and we're going very hard on registering to vote and getting out of bed and going and vote. Their their voice is that vote, and I'm trying to make them understand that, and and the message is getting through. And this is how we can beat this 16-year do nothing incumbent, Glenn Thompson. Uh, he's voted against everything, the Build Back Better bill, all of it. He voted against all of this. And we're in rural Pennsylvania, and we're as close in, in, in reality as to the eastern hills of Kentucky and West Virginia. There's a lot of poverty here. They based all their lives on coal without any plan to get out of it once it's gone. So, My whole thing is with them is that we 
go after our renewable resources. We have 11.7 million acres of hardwood forest in Pennsylvania. I spent 14 years in Canada studying their forestry practices. Here, when they log an area, they leave it barren to just regenerate. In Canada, they regrow, they plant, so that you always have a harvestable crop. And there's things that come out of lumber. Look at the price of lumber today. This is how we're going to create jobs here in rural Pennsylvania. And another issue of mine is education for the younger people. When you graduate from high school here in rural Pennsylvania, you're really not prepared for technology. They're still very old school about things, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, those are gone. We have to become a leader rather than a follower here in Pennsylvania. So we, I, I want to concentrate my efforts on technology with these younger kids coming out of high school, coming out to nothing, when we can offer them a, a chance to get a two-year associate degree in, in technology such as solar and wind power, because that is where it's going to be whether we like it or not. So we got to, I'm trying to stop these people from wishing in one hand for coal to come back. And, and, and they're finally listening to my message. And I, I put together a pack and I'm in the middle of doing that. But I have a treasurer. I have a political organizer uh, from near Pittsburgh area. And uh, we're on the way. We're in it to win this and we're going to win this. We're 44 years. There hasn't been a Democratic congressman out of this district. And the only reason that it, there hasn't been is because so many times the incumbent runs unopposed. Well, this time he has some real opposition and, and we're going to win it. And basically that's my spiel to you. There's a lot more to my platform, but all I wanted to do was get across the basic things that are attainable. We, you know, Trump said big, beautiful coal. I knew that was a lie. I grew up here. I've seen what coal did to the environment, to the water, and to the land. We cannot allow that to happen. We do not have another planet to go to. We're not going to jump on Bezos' rocket ship and land on Mars, and everything's going to be rosy. The fact is, is we have to take care of what we have now. No, no, yeah, Ernie. that's interesting, and not to mention the lungs. <laughs> oh, my, my father, my father. I'm one of eleven children. My father died of black lung. My mother was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1955. Um, we didn't have it easy. We didn't have, there wasn't even running water in our house in 1974. You know, Trump was an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur carrying water to people's houses every night, two buckets of water, 14 houses, and I got, each one paid me 50 cents a week. I know these people. I know their struggles. I'm on their side. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm for the people. It, it, we've got to do that in our politics. We've got to quit looking at donors. We've got to quit looking at corporations. This country belongs to Americans. Now, yeah, Ronnie, and there's, a, there's a problem, too, with the messaging on the left in that they're talking about all of these things that really just don't matter until they're hit in the head with it, such as climate change. But the way that you're presenting this um, argument in favor of moving on from coal, it's, it's really pretty powerful because if you're giving people the, uh, the opportunity to try something new and to actually make it prosperous for them, 
you know, they'll get on board with it. But if they hear about the reason they need to not have coal in their neighborhood is because the planet is warming, that just goes right over their heads. So kudos to you for for um, encapsulating that message in a way that's going to make sense to young people there. Well, yeah. the, the, the thing here is uh, I'm in a very red district, but it's only red for the cultness of it. Uh, I Two years in the last election cycle, I missed the cutoff to, uh, here in Pennsylvania. You circulate a petition in February. I missed that cutoff. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use this to my advantage. So I went as a write-in candidate and it gave me an opportunity to travel around and talk to people. And I found out that 98% of the people didn't know who their congressman was, had no clue who he was. Number two, I would ask them, well, did you vote for Trump? No, I've never voted in my life. And this is where you get this cult mentality. So I basically just approached them with, with the fact that we have so much to offer in renewable resources and technology in this area with solar and wind power that they won't need coal. You won't need coal and you're not going to destroy the environment by logging effectively and, and, and reforestation. You will have a rotatable crop every year. And I'm and it's not about me being a congressman. It has nothing to do with me being a congressman. I could retire Today and set back, I wrote eight novels. I could write eight more, but I don't want to do that. I, I, I have this passion and this compassion to do this. And we have to do it because it's critical and it's crucial. We're not going to get a lot of second chances. Uh, Ronnie, are you familiar with the Build Back Better bill? Yes. Okay. You you are aware that, that originally with Build Back Better that it's not just for climate. Like one of the one of the key provisions in it was that it was going to pay the pensions so that that, that coal miners could just retire. Right. It, it had a lot of good things about it. That what I'm yeah. telling you, the guy, uh, Justin, the guy that I'm running against, voted against the Build Back Better bill. You know, he 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 voted against the Recovery Act. He voted to keep Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Education Commission. This guy has done nothing for this the constituency here in rural Pennsylvania, and right. and we, you know, and we can't do that. That's like saying we don't want your money. No, we want your money. We want as much off of you guys as we can get, so that we can build back better. Right, and I I, I just think I think that it's important to note that that. You know, when because you gave a very passionate argument and, and it made a lot of sense and it was, you know, inspirational. And but I think that what a big motivator, you know, at the end, by the way, you do know that Biden's trying to give you all uh, the chance to retire from this. And and but and Joe Manchin was one of the big reasons that's not going to go through because he said, oh, well, that's just, you know, charity or whatever. And so then it was rewritten so that that. Um, that it said, okay, well, we'll give you job training. We'll pay for the job training. And then, then they, they took that out. And so then when you talked about, you know, a, a two-year degree working in solar or, or renewables, that was part of, of the, the free higher education. That was taken out too. And so all of these things that you mentioned, I think it is important to bring to, to, to point out that, that the Democrats had a solution for how to deal with this. Right. That's very good. Yeah. See, I didn't realize that that was in. So so everything that 
is good that we I had talked about. You're saying they pulled that out of that Build Back Better bill in hopes to get it passed. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I'm glad I know. I See, I didn't realize that. I'm glad I know that now because I will be bringing that up, too. See, this is this is taking this is taking food from the baby's mouths when you do things like that. This is why we need people in Congress that that are going to say, no, we are not going to put up with this. We can't afford to put up with it anymore. I'm telling you, uh, as true as I'm sitting at my desk right now, we do not have many second chances. Just look what happened on January 6th. Just look. And and that's not over. That's not over. And, and, And all this stuff that is going on, it's just a warm up for what they really want. And we and we need people in Congress that are going to put a stop to it and and remember our tradition of our Constitution and remember that we must preserve democracy at all costs. You're right. Mm. Yep. And we, we have a very short window to do that. Yes, we do. This is the sad part about it. I could never believe in all my my years. And I'm sure every one of you that are sitting out there tonight feel the same way that you would never have believed that you would see the United States of America in the condition that it is in today because of the prior administration. And And, that's exactly why we are here. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, like I said, I don't want to talk and talk and talk about me. My plan is very simple. I make my message very simple. A child could understand it. And that's basically what you have to do in rural Pennsylvania. You have to make your message simple, you know, yeah. and and uh, so I'm glad you I appreciate and thank you for the invitation and keep my email and because I'd like to talk to you all. Somebody had mentioned about 177 candidates earlier when the, when the program first started. And if we formed a coalition together and helped each other together, because somebody else said you can't depend on the Democratic National Committee. You cannot. Re- I cannot depend. There's 14 counties here it, it, where I'm located. And I guarantee you that for them to to be vibrant and alive and, and, and pumped up is so difficult to get them to do that because a rural district to them may not be important. But let me tell you something. Every seat in both the House and the Senate are the most important seats you're ever going to see in 2022. They are absolutely the most important. And I don't care if it's rural or urban. Right. And, and uh, you know, I have your email. I will make sure that I send out to you because I have um, detailed uh, uh, information for uh, nine states in the 2020 election. So, so that you can see, I, I gathered up like yeah. and all the social media sites. Right. I, I saw I, that. I, I saw that you, you, you had Pennsylvania, you listed Pennsylvania in that yeah. as well. And, and yeah, I'm absolutely interested uh, and and, and the, people, the people, the people that I that helped me start the Vigil for Democracy in San Francisco, they helped uh-huh. Connor get elected. So, um, yeah. And as a matter of fact, it, please, um, we invite you to follow that Twitter account too, the Vigil Number Four Democracy. Uh, okay, hang on. Let 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 me let me look this up. It's Vigil for Democracy. Yeah, with yeah. number four in between. Vigil. I, I don't know if I am following that or not already. Let me see. 
Yeah. Well, I'll make sure, sure, and, I'll then, make sure. and then we'll we'll make sure that we get information about um, <laughs> about all of the candidates on that. If so, go ahead and follow us. And I'm following you. I got it. Great. And, I'm, I'm you, I'm, and Ronnie, I sent you the list of Democrat candidates, Democratic candidates running against GOP incumbents in the House. Yeah, and, and Melanie, Melanie, and I, and Bonnie Rawson have worked together. Uh -huh. We found uh -huh. 177 candidates, and, and I have I've been compiling the, the spreadsheet, and then Melanie's mm -hmm. uh, been putting out the the um, the tweet list, and we've been trying to do it uh, weekly, but with the holidays and everything, uh, we'll try to release it weekly again. And uh, I'm okay. going to start a newsletter through Twitter where where I'll be able to um, have people sign up and get people's emails, and, and you know this way, like. If I have to do it myself, the information that you guys, all you guys need, if I have to give it myself and make it myself and make sure you have access to it, then that's what we have to do. Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll, also, we'll also be um, looking at the opposition as well, um, you know, from the, for the general election, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the, you know, just to keep track of uh, if there's anything that we need to, oh, sorry, my, my uh, electronic device is going off sorry for the noise but um okay. we'll keep track of of the opposition and the general too just to make sure that there's no information that slips by that people need to know as they're running because trust me they're doing that to the democratic candidates as well <laughs> okay Here, here's um I, I i already followed uh the vigil for democracy i got that um what else? Oh, as far as the primary is concerned, I'm the only Democrat that has the courage to run against this guy, by the way. So nobody else is even involved. It's me against this guy, G.T. Thompson. And and like I say, I, I am very, very thrilled. And I know we can beat this guy. We're going to do it the old fashioned way. I, I'm an old Kennedy type Democrat. I, I go out and I shake hands with the people. I talk to the people and I listen to the people. They are so sick and tired of being ignored. It's pathetic. You, you, are you know what? I love the way that you're speaking. And uh, Bonnie, if Bonnie's listening, uh, you, you know what? I really think that you should get on the phone with Bonnie at some point. Or Bonnie Rawson four is her Twitter handle. Okay, um, let me, let she knows so much. She came up. She met her husband at, during labor organizing, and, and I mean, she knows so much about the, this this issue and about about the party, like about about organizing and, and working together. She she has inspired me. And there have been days where I just, you know, I, I couldn't right. keep my cool. And and her response was, "I am happy to do this." Yeah, like where I'm screaming, the DNC should fucking do this shit. And and Bonnie yeah. said, "I am happy to do this." And you know what? She's always kept me. She keeps me coming back to the center, and, and and bringing me back to where I need to be. And I think that she could be really beneficial because I think that she would be able to to help um, increase your grassroots organizing. Yes, yes. and I just uh, she was following me. I, I saw that, so I'm following her now. So wow. yes, I'm going to keep in touch with all of you. I think if we work together. OK, we can do this in America. We can do this. The, the bottom line is we have to take back America. Mm -hmm. you know? You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, and we don't have to take it back like the Republicans are trying to do it. We have to take it back with good deeds. We have I, to take really, it. Excuse me. I just want to interject really quick because J.D.'s in the house and J.D. was um, a serious uh, labor labor uh organizer and also uh 
a trustee. He was many things. And I think uh-huh. we need to give him the mic just for a moment to talk with you. So and okay. that's Bonnie Ross talking. Okay. Thank thank you, Bonnie. Um, sure. I see JD, JD on there now. JD's also from Pennsylvania. So you need to hook up with JD also. <laughs> oh, he, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, JR, did you send him a, a speaker? I did, yeah. I did. And also, I'm inviting you to be a co-host, so you should be able to do stuff now. Okay, great. Um, I see that Ruth has her hand up as well. Oh, I, I don't see where. Hold on. Where do you see a hand up? Um, I see it. Yeah, I did have it up. Oh, okay. Thank you for using the rules. I didn't even know how to do that. Okay, go, go ahead. Please uh, uh, ask your question. Okay, I didn't have a question. Um, I just, I need to head off here about nine. So I just wanted to say thank you all. Um, it's been great to meet folks. And yeah, um, I think I sent my email info at Ruth Gow or uh, hit me up on Twitter. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward and thank you guys so much. It's been great to talk. Okay. Thank, you. thank you so, so much, much for Bye, participating. It's great to hear from you. Thank you. Okay. Um, now, uh, so let's see. I have uh, Snowden accept the invite for, for, for becoming a co-host. Um, and let's see. I have JD. Um, I sent him an invite. Um, and the only people I have, I have Melanie, Ronnie, Amaro, Bonnie, Make Voters, and Ruth, and JD. So if anybody wants to pipe up, uh, if, if you want to keep going, Ronnie, I'm, I'm really interested in listening to you. I really am. Well, I, I like and I said, well after that. yeah, I, yeah, we can put JD on. I basically said everything that I had to say. What we got to do is, is, like I said, get some vibrancy in our, in our bases. Let them make this an exciting and a fun race. Okay. And base it on our deeds, base it on what we're going to do for the constituency not for the donors and not for the corporations, not for the pharmaceutical companies, but what we're going to do is work hard to see that the elderly are taken care of, that the young are taken care of, and that we can get this country on the democratic path that it needs to be on to survive. Well, Amen. you know what? Yes, and, and Bonnie, I think this is a perfect time. Bonnie, uh, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie and Bonnie, you guys are like Bonnie and Clyde, I swear. Um, I have a twin sister, Bonnie. I have a twin yeah. sister, Bonnie. Do you really? <laughs> yes, I, I do. It, it, this is like, it's like, it's like, you just, you guys are on the stars together. Um, so Bonnie, I mean, I think, I think you would really be able to help Ronnie with, um, with, with, with organizing you. I think that he would be able to capitalize off of a lot of your knowledge. I'm more than happy to help anyone really. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we have to be realistic too about what we can, you know, we can have, pie in the sky always but we have to have realistic goals and work within the confines the constraints of what we can actually do and in some states with all due respect if you're targeting a u.s senate seat with no political experience never having held elected office it's very very hard okay because kentucky had a great state auditor named adam edelin that his his father still farms in Owensboro, Kentucky, and he they have a thing in Kentucky called Fancy Farm, where it's basically a free for all, where uh, you know opponents from both sides, from the GOP and from the Dems, just have an all in all out. You know that it's just an absolute free for all. Like when 
Adam Edelin was in. You can see him on YouTube at Fancy Farm, and you can see this guy, how, you know, completely um, committed he was and, you know, fervent and absolutely earnest. He was a great candidate. He was a great state auditor there. And he he set his sights on higher office and did not win in Kentucky because it's really hard. And there's a total machine there where Rand Paul and McConnell whole court and they just dominate. And there's a lot of folks that are not registered. Outreach is critical. It's so important to register yes. voters. It's one of the most critical Absolutely. things there is. And just like he says, a ground game where you're going out and you're mobilizing people to knock on doors, go talk to voters, listen yep. to them, hear hear what their issues are, what's uh, you know upsetting them, right. what they need, and address those issues. And when they're uninformed about any issue, you know, supply them with critical information. Like, just mm-hmm. as an example, term limits are not the problem because when you have decent representation, a person can remain in office for a long time. Because mm-hmm. look at witness Bernie Sanders. He's been a, a senator. He has one of the highest approval ratings of any seated senator. He he has a 80 percent. He had the highest of out of all the U.S. senators. He had the highest. <laughs> And that's because he's very effective for his state. And so it's not about term limits, except for maybe for justices, for jurists. You know, they get in there and they shouldn't have a lifetime tenure. But for for other offices, it's only because we have a situation where we have no campaign finance reform. And then with the Citizens versus United decision, it was just a boondoggle. It, they just opened the floodgates and they were inundated by dark money, by PAC money, by all these people that have no interest. They, their whole thing is about suppressing regular people's access, right. period. End of story. That's it. Yeah, right. You're right about that. And, um, you know, these are the things that w- you need people in Congress to change these things. Now, uh, my political experience is very uh, small. I sat on the board of directors for Improved Dwellings of Altoona, a, a, a business, a nonprofit organization that has for more than 50 years built living quarters for uh, low income people and senior citizens. But it gave me a lot of insight into people. Sure. My 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 opponent uh, was a 30-year Boy Scout leader and worked in a nursing home. He had no experience. My my area is a little bit different when it comes to, they don't look at you as like, oh, you're a lawyer, you were this or that. They really don't. These people are desperate to be listened to. Okay, this is the desperation. They need listened to, and they want to know that somebody has their backs. Sure. Yeah, it's critical, and you know, a lot of people tune out, they're alienated and they feel disillusioned and that they have no stake in anything. We have to, we have to engender a situation where people feel a stake, you know, that if their their vote matters, that it's not going to be taken for granted, that, you know, it's going to, their, their needs are going to be keenly observed. And that hasn't been happening. And that's why we have an electorate that we have a dumbed down electorate. Horrible. Right. You know, in some places like in um, Idaho and eastern Oregon, just as an example, they 
it's so bad in these places where there's no broadband and they don't have any printed media like they won't even allow the Oregonian to be sold in these stores in the eastern part of the state. So all these people are inundated with is country music, evangelical mm-hmm. radio, mm-hmm. and OAN and Fox and mm-hmm. and like for the I think the Florida um the the ones that were running running for office in Florida have gotten off the line. But the problem is like the Latino radio stations in South Florida especially they are just inundated. That's their diet is just lies. Right. Okay? right. And there was and a lot of misinformation that was going through those radio stations. Totally. Too, especially in Florida. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And speaking of Florida, um, uh, I think, um, Amaro, you, you've had your hand up for a little while. I have a quick question for yeah, Ronnie. Go, go, Melanie. Ronnie, um, are you using postcards for voters? Um, No, I haven't got into doing any of that yet. Like I said, what happens here is they have to circulate this petition in in February that puts me on the ballot. That's when we'll go whole hog. I'm going whole hog now. I've I've announced my candidacy. uh, But but the thing is, is is the February petition circulation that puts you on the ballot. Once I'm on that, it'll be me against him. And then we're just going to go. Like I said, we have 54 events we're scheduling between March and October uh, at, throughout all of these 14 counties. Wow. So, so we're, yeah, we're going to do a lot of face to face with people because well, just like Bonnie said, uh, reality is here. We have very poor to no broadband. OK, there's a couple of uh, like Comcast came in and Windstream is here. So there's people on the Internet that but not not a lot of the uh, possible electorate. So, well, there's, so there's empirical evidence that postcards handwritten postcards work. They uh-huh. increase they increase voters to the polls. Then right. we'll get do a that. handwritten postcard. Yeah. Before the election. you mm-hmm you're enthusiastic more to vote and yeah okay supporting that so you want to get involved with that okay definitely i i'll I'll, uh (laughs) i'll mark that down as a to-do because we just interject it's very important to start courting voters to keep going back to them go back to them because the initial contact can't be the only one you need to have repeated contact with that voter, right and that's that can't be stressed enough when you have well here's the deal on that too here's the deal on that i've attended every fall banquet for the democratic committees throughout the state we do a thing here called dem stock too in one of the counties i went to that so i've appeared with john fetterman who's running for senate i've I've appeared uh with bob casey several times as well And Madeline Uh, Cunane will probably help you, too. She's Madeline. You know, she can't (laughs) I can't say enough about what an earnest, wonderful seated elective she is. She's really what's her her last name? Madeline Cunane. It's capital C. U. as an umbrella and as in Nancy and as in Nancy A is an apple and as in Nancy E is an Edward. Madeline Cunane. And she's on Twitter. She's. Uh, well, she's a she's a co- congresswoman. I forget which district she's from in Pennsylvania, but in, in PA. Okay, yeah. 
Huh, I've never heard of her. That's funny. Yeah, Madeline Kinane. So okay, um, I got her. Um, but yeah, like uh, I'm telling you right now, I feel so confident. This isn't a big, big uphill battle. This is the battle, just like you said. Get those postcards out there and go and return to talk to these people, and that's exactly what I'm doing right now. That's right. That's and excellent. we're yeah, and we're doing like I said, 54 scheduled events in in. Uh, each one of those counties, and we'll be there several times before the the election. This is the thing up here in rural Pennsylvania. They want to see your face. That's right. They want they want to shake your hand. They That's want to right. talk to you. Ground game, you know? ground game is all important, and that's yeah. how Obama won. That's you know one of the best things is to talk to voters, get more people. Who else do you know that's not registered? Let's get them registered. Let us. Let yeah, that's it. That's it. You, you got my plan down just like we have it down. Yeah. This is exactly what, and, and my organizer now is in the process of talking to all the, uh, he, he, my political organizer is a retired college math professor oh, and he, yeah, and what he's doing is he is contacting all the universities and colleges and trade schools and because we need that young vote Absolutely. because because it's their life. Right. It's their life at stake as the young voter. They're the ones we're going to leave the future to. And, right. and so what we're doing is we're getting them to volunteer for us. That's very important. Yeah, and they're going to volunteer. Get them in, involved in the electoral process. All right. important because once they get a taste of that, they want to be involved and they want to vote again. And a lot of times right. people are fickle. They don't vote in the midterms. It's all important for them to vote religiously like it's a religion every time. Just not in the general. Every, right. Every single every time. Is every time. And right. You know, that's where the Democratic Party, that's where we have a problem. We have people that will vote or they'll say, oh, the candidate isn't exciting. Government isn't exciting. It's the yeoman's no. work. It's about <laughs> doing the hard work of governing right. people and delivering right. services to them. They take in money through our tax dollars and then services are provided to the voter, to right. the constituent. Right. Exactly. This is this is Rick at Make Voters Matter. Please excuse the interruption. I'd love to ask Ronnie a question. No, go ahead. But I'm just has had his hand up, and I'm trying to figure out how to put my hand up. But Amaro should go first because he has his hand up. Thank you for that, <laughs> Amaro. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Ronnie, I also wanted to say you're, you're such an inspiration hearing you speak. Um, everything you said is absolute facts. And as a progressive here in Florida, whatever I could do to to help you, um, please feel free to reach out. I yeah, let's so important that we all we all come together and we help each other. And I agree. Count on my help. And and what I'd like to do is I think what we all need to do is to follow each other. You know, let's look each other up. Let's follow each other. And at least we can communicate, see how everybody's doing, what's working for you, what's not working. And we can, you know, get together and, and, and brainstorm and, and do this. Exactly. Well, we're going to really, do these calls every Tuesday night is our game plan. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I want to be in. 
Something else that we're, we've been talking about doing is setting up Twitter rooms, too, where, where candidates can drop their tweets. And then the, the uh, deal is, though, that when they drop their tweets, they retweet out other candidates as well. So there it's you a go. win-win situation. And yeah. even though that's more of nationalizing it, um, it doesn't really matter because everybody knows somebody in their constituency. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, yep. we'll okay. let you all know. I'm keeping track of who's on this call, and we'll let you know yeah. when we set let's that up. Let's do it. Yeah, let, that, let's do it. Those are all good ideas. And I think, you know, two heads are better than one, even if it's cabbage. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, power in numbers is the way I like to look at it. You know, we're, we're definitely more powerful together than we are as the sum of our parts. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The um, quick question for you, Ronnie, and I'm still yes. trying to figure out about that hand thing. So, Snowden, if you can help me with that, I'd appreciate I, it. I don't know. I don't know how that works. So, was that your question? <laughs> no, actually, the question is, Ronnie, I went to Ballopedia and found you there looking at the links. And when I hit the link to bring me to your campaign Facebook page... It's gone, right? Facebook, Twitter, personal, Facebook, personal, LinkedIn. Uh, The link going to your campaign Facebook page is broken. It says this content isn't available. Right. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Once I started really politicking, somebody had tried to uh, access my account. Facebook locked my account to protect me. And I haven't been able to get back in there. So, and I sent them a copy of the driver's license, the things they wanted, but they got three and a half billion people. When are they going to get to me? So don't, and that Bellapedia thing, that's all going to be changed. The Bellapedia thing that you see is when I missed that cutoff a couple of years ago in the, in not this election, but the last one, I ran as a write-in just to do it as an exploratory. So that's all going to be changed. Okay, and then uh, what, then what right, I'm Ronnie, just so you're aware. Okay, the guy that taught me computers is director of engineering at Facebook. I'm going to uh-huh. get your Facebook account back, or I will throw a holy fucking t- temper tantrum, and somebody's going to listen. Okay, so we will get your 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 Facebook back because because I am so angry at Facebook right now. Um, well, I, they did that. They did that to me on December the thirteenth. And when and I had a couple thousand followers, I had a couple thousand followers. They did that on December the 13th. I emailed them and I went through that process. You know, uh, they, they needed some ID. I, I scanned them, my driver's license. And here it is what we're talking January 4th. And I'm, I'm still don't have a Facebook page. So what I was going to do was say the heck with it. And just start, just make a brand new Jenkins for Congress page is what I was going to do. And well, what, okay. now it's okay to have a personal a personal page and, and a and a and a uh, you know a page. But still, let me work with you. I mean, I I'm free tomorrow. If okay. You, you know, and and also secondly, uh, you should probably start this right now when you get off the phone call. If you huh? go into the account settings in in Twitter, okay. Now, yes. you, you, what you can do is you go into account, then you go into account, or you go into settings, you hit account, then you go into uh-huh. account settings, and it will give you your name, your phone number, your address. Right. And right below that, it will say verified, yes or no. 
Okay. What I right. suggest that you do is is hit yes, and, and and it will take you through a process where you can say that you're running for political office. Okay. The sooner that you do it, and the, the quicker that you get verified, uh -huh. the the uh -huh. more likely that you're going to have a meaningful engagement on Twitter. And, yeah. and and if Facebook denies you your 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 Facebook profile back, I mean, I, then I would just throw uh, I would throw a fit. Like I would make sure that as many people found it and, and, and just, you know, it, it's something that you could fundraise off of. Seriously. Yeah, they, they, uh, but, but you know, uh, they're so huge and I'm such that small goldfish in a pond. Did you hear what I the, said? Did you hear what I said? The, the guy that, that taught me computers is director of engineering at Facebook. Well, get a hold of them. <laughs> You know, so, literally, there's uh, listen. None of that affects me. I don't care if they if they're going to listen to somebody. They're going to listen to me. I'll make them listen. All right, that, that sounds good to me. I'd like to have it back. But like yeah. I said, if I if, if I if I don't uh, get it back, it, it's it's not going to bother me. I'll I'll make a congressional page. I'm also now. Here's the deal. Since we're talking, is uh, I I want to do a actual website uh, for Jenkins for Congress as well. And I was going to do that myself through Wix and, and set um, something up. I, I really don't suggest Wix. Wix looks easy. It is not. They charge for everything. Okay. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Let and us so, help you. Yeah. And so if you want to put together a, a website, I mean, I can sh I can tell you how to do it securely. I, I, I was the chief of staff for uh, Michael Knowles for U.S. Senate in Montana before uh -huh. Steve Bullock ran in. And he mm -hmm. was, he was a former, he, he was in school for quantum mathematics before uh -huh. he ran. It was very interesting, but I, I learned a lot about the whole process. And uh -huh. so I mean, all together to get, to get shared hosting and, and, and a website up, I mean, really for a year's worth of hosting, you're looking at 120 bucks. Right. Right. Okay. And I mean, all to like, it is not, it is not that expensive and, and all these little places nickel and dime you for everything and they're not right. going to give you the support or the, or the, the tools necessary. So I, I can help you with that. Well, let's do this. Justin, why don't you, you have my email, Ronnie Ray Jenkins at Gmail. Why don't you give, send me an email later and, and give me your phone number and we'll discuss this and I can, and uh, then maybe, Hold on, you broke you broke you you broke up there. What, what were you saying? I, I, I said if you if can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I said I said if you can uh, drop, uh, drop me an email at onegrainsjenkins at gmail dot com and give me your phone number and we can discuss you know the next steps into getting the website up and running. Yeah. Okay, that that's that's absolutely great. I mean, uh, um, I'll have to I have to talk with Bonnie and, and Snowden after this call. But I mean, I don't and I don't know what your your hours are like. But I'm expecting to pull a, a late night tonight, and I'll be all all day tomorrow. I don't I don't do anything Me about too. this. I, I I'm my partner's is taking care of everything so that I can focus on on this. So right you know, right, I, I will I can I can start helping you this week if you want it. Yeah, I'm an insomniac. Yeah, I'm an insomniac. So, anytime, you know, anything's good for me. Excellent. Um, now, is there anybody else? Uh, because my voice is starting to go. I just got over COVID. I, I, 
And my, my voice. Real, real quick, Just want to interject really I, quickly I, to take Amaro's hand. To yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah I just wanted to quickly tell him. Just really quickly, I just wanted to interject and let him know that um, he would know Madeline Dean. He would know her by Madeline Dean as opposed to her name because that's her maiden name. Oh, Madeline Dean, Madeline the conference woman? I know her. Yes, Madeline Dean. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, now, let, let Marl, please go ahead. Uh, I wanted to ask something really quick with the. Uh, I guess we're having me and you're having feedback there, Justin. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, one, one, one thing about Twitter is that I, I found out that um, is in my particular case, according to their policy, they're supposed to verify my account. But within minutes of applying for verification, they deny me, even though I provided more than enough evidence for verification. Yeah, and and, and so, so when when that happens, then you would you need to take a screenshot of 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 the denial immediately when it happens, and then you need to send a tweet out and tweet at verified because that's the the Twitter verification uh, uh, email uh, account handle, and then you need to say. Really, Twitter? I mean, are you? I'm running for office, and you're not, and you're not doing this. What, what's going on? I mean, and, and then get other people to um, boost that and, and and comment on that tweet because it will. It, 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 the more engagement that you can do, and the more the more of a scene that you can make, the more likely it is that they're going to verify you. Uh, I, I I talked with Ben Ben, excuse me, Brett Henrik about this in Washington, and uh, you know he thought that he wasn't going to be able to do it. And he tried multiple times, and he was scared to do it, actually. And l luckily, he went through, and he ended up getting his verification. Justin? Justin? Yeah. Lauren, Lauren Harbour joined the call. Oh, Lauren, yes. Uh, okay, Lauren. Okay, also, um, Justin, real yeah. quick. Um, I think it might be your... Um, your computer's doing the feedback, so when when somebody else is talking, go ahead and press your mute button. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, lots of feedback. Yeah, I would, um, I'm going to give Lauren a chance to speak. And Lauren, I am so happy for you that Devin Nunez dropped out. And I was one of the very first people that I think that mentioned it. And, uh, you know, oh, Lauren left. Oh, no, he's there. He, he's up there. And anyway, I was, I'm just so excited that for you in that race now. And, uh, you know, you were one of the first candidates I ever spoke to. And I was mad as hell. And, uh, you know, I'm still mad as hell, but, I've, uh, you know, after talking with people like you and feeling like I had a, a, a right to feel the way I did, I, I've really gotten a lot better for me since that first time we talked. Is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. And you're more than welcome to yeah, talk. Yeah. Like uh, um, Snowden, Lauren Hubbard is running against, running for, uh, uh, he's running for Devin Nunez's seat in California. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Which is great. Um, so go ahead and unmute yourself, Lou. Uh, uh, Lauren, if you, if you can hear me, okay. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, um, with the Twitter verification, I was having the hardest time with that also. Um, and, you know, I got denied maybe like four or five times 
Uh, and of course, you have to wait 30 days after every denial before they like let you apply again. But um, you know, the the last time, uh, Brett and I actually, uh, uh, Brent and I actually applied on the same day. I got my uh, approval, and we were texting each other, and I told him, "Go do it right now." They seem to be in a friendly mood. And the key is really just giving them more than they asked for. I think they asked for uh, like five articles or something about uh, like about your campaign. And I think I gave them like 11. So it's uh, just, just all about so, giving them more than, than you need. So um, I'm really excited. How has your race changed since Devin dropped out? And and what like can you give us any news about how things are going? And let us know like about like the situation. I was so excited when I saw that happen. Yeah, as you can imagine. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of excitement now, and people that were previously thinking this was a long shot and you know oh never going to happen are now hopping in and saying, hey, you know. Uh, I've always, always thought you, <laughs> you were going to be the guy to, to, to take the flip the seat. So, uh, you know, we're really excited. A lot of energies coming into the district now. Um, we have a special election coming up in, I believe, at the end of April, which will – this is like the really weird part about, about it is we have a special election. If no one gets 50% plus one – using the old district lines, then they will have a runoff of the top two vote getters on the same day that we are supposed to have our primary in June with the new district lines. And so it's going to be kind of a situation where people are going to have to theoretically vote for me in April and then vote for me again in June. And on the same ballot, vote for me a third time for the 2022 election. Uh, so it's kind of weird, weird situation, but we're moving forward with it. Um, you know, I've gotten uh, uh, a lot of more uh, kind of like national recognition um, from from people. I still haven't gotten any contact from the DCCC yet, which is really weird because you know, we send out uh, emails to the contact person that is supposed to be, you know, for our California district and crickets and it's just kind of a situation where you know I realize that they're probably planning for a situation where they have to defend candidates that are already in Congress and they want to use that money for that and so for us new people coming in there's no Apparently, there's no room in the war chest for us in these districts that are really now really winnable, which I don't understand. But um, it's definitely taken off a lot more grassroots support. Um, and I I think we're in a pretty good place. That seems to be a common problem with the um, with the national Democratic Party and supporting candidates that they don't think could win. And perhaps now that uh, Nunez has dropped out, they might be more interested in your district. So maybe keep trying, but we've got to find a better way to do this. <laughs> you know, that's how what that's what, what I think is, is, you know, we there's got to be more 
contact between, you know, national party and, and candidates. Um, and it could be a situation that, you know, a lot of things were, were shifting previously because they just finalized the uh, new congressional lines like a week and a half ago. So it's kind of like that situation where a lot of things were up in the air, a lot of balls up in the air, and they were just seeing kind of where where everything was gonna gonna fall. And I'm oh, Mark! Just wanted to say this really fast that um, Courtney Welch um, from Emeryville, she's the city council member. She is on the phone now. Just wanted to. You should talk to each other. Yeah, and and anybody. Anybody, Anybody who is not, not talking, please go, please go ahead and, ahead and uh, press the press mute the button, because otherwise, otherwise they're back. Uh, Snowden, if you click on a person's face, and uh, it just like if you were to click on any one person, yeah, I, know. Uh, I, can, a, mute, I can mute all the speakers and listeners. Yeah, just, just like you. Um, and so let's see. I'm looking at Courtney. It says Bay Area CLT, and um. So it looks like you're in California. I just wanted to introduce myself. My name's Justin Russell, and I'm I live in Florida. But I um, started uh, a foundation in uh, an organization in in San Francisco called the Vigil for Democracy. And so uh, you know, I spent quite a few weeks in front of Nancy Pelosi's offices demanding impeachment, and we didn't stop until it got done. And so um, I learned my political organizing in the heart of 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 San Francisco. So I, I would love to hear about you and, and uh, you know, your campaign and, and get to know you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we yes. can hear you. I think um, perhaps her, she's not muted. Go ahead, Cardi. Uh, she may have her, well, but go ahead but go and turn ahead. your mute off, mute off also, off. or put, turn, turn your mute on, JR. Well, Courtney, when you figure out um, what's going on, uh, you're more than welcome to jump in. Oh, it looks like she's about to speak. Oh, there you go. She's there. She's there. Oh, are you uh, with us still, Courtney? Well, um, it, it, you know, it, it, I heard something from her. Is that me? Oh, the, I was going to say, I, I'm hearing a little bit. On my end, it shows that I'm still a listener. Oh, that's crazy. I'm going to leave and come back. Okay. <laughs> And uh, Justin, I think that the, the feedback might be coming from yours. So if you could hit mute when someone else is I will, I will hit mute when, yeah, I, I will hit mute when, when, when she gets Great. back in. Perfect. Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry about Welcome back. Welcome back. I had just popped in because I saw election 2022, which I'm still getting used to saying and wanted to, my election was a special election just 
this past November. So I'm not running again until 2024, but I just wanted to pop in and listen and say hello to everyone and wish everyone all the, the best of luck and just hear about everyone's campaigns all over the country. So I always like hearing about what's going on in different cities and different states, you know, just keeping up on, on the news outside of my little neck in the woods. That's not the right phrase, but um, yeah, I didn't really have anything much to add as far as my, my own campaign outside. It was just a special election. One of our city council members had resigned. Um, So I'm just finishing out his term until 2024. So yeah. Um, That's just a little bit about me, but excited to be here with y'all and, and listen in. Um, so you're you're in San Francisco, right? I'm in Emeryville. So yeah, we're just across the bridge. We're located between Oakland and Berkeley. Um, well, when I was in San Francisco, we were outside of Nancy Pelosi's offices for a long time, and also, well, she was getting an award for the Heart of the Resistance, and she had not begun impeachment yet. So, and it was kind of insulting. And while while we were organizing an event there. I met um, the the DA, uh, Chessa, I can't remember his last name. Chessa, do you know who I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. um, Now, I've heard, I heard a lot of, of, uh, a lot of differing opinions, but a lot of people have said he's done a a lot of good things. Can you, do you know anything like that? Can you let me know about what he's done? Because I haven't, I haven't really been able to keep up specifically with San Francisco events since I left in 2019. I am very much out of the loop on the San Francisco DA vibe. And of course, like there's this whole recall election around Chessa that's happening right now. Um, A lot of, I mean, it really comes down to a lot of folks feel he's too progressive and too lenient. It's just like the high level issue. Um, And as we're experiencing some of like the more high profile crime issues, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it was national news, like the smash and grab that happened specifically in Union Square in San Francisco, even though they've happened around the Bay Area. A lot of folks feel it's a direct reflection of his policies being too lenient. Um, So that's... um, really kind of I know one major issue I'm not sure if there's others um there's been some kind of chatter around the there's a high turnover in his office and there's folks who have left to resign that weren't happy with his policies that have added fuel to the fire but I'm not really that tapped into San Francisco that much. <laughs> For somebody who's not tapped in, you know a heck of a lot, just so you know. <laughs> um, now, uh, now, San Francisco, I, I, I'm from South Florida, and I, I, I grew up as a Southern boy. And San, I've been through a lot of places, but South Florida is my home. San Francisco, I cried when I left San Francisco. Like, I didn't want to leave. It, it was like my new home. It was a, it was, it was a really beautiful place. However, when I went there, I had never in my life seen such abject poverty. 
like I've been I've been to Overtown and, and Liberty City and places in Miami, but I have never seen such abject poverty and and, and uh, you know the, the the drug use and things. And so I mean, when I first got there, it was it was total culture shock shock. And I was there for three weeks. By the end of the time I was there for three weeks, I went running up and down Market Avenue every single night around two a.m. I was never bothered by any of of of, of any of the many, many homeless people. And, and the thing is, is that um, the issues that I think that are causing the homelessness are are because of income inequality, not because, I mean, I sat in front of Nancy Pelosi's office and every day that I was there, there were two people that had, they both had jobs and they both came, came you know, uh, uh, during lunch for two hours and they had a car and they had to sleep in their van because they couldn't afford a house in, in San Francisco. And so I understand some of the issues that are causing this. And, and also the fact that, you know, letting, letting them be, letting people, the homelessness population be has really helped to prevent any kind of crime because I, the, the entire time I was there never had an issue. Now I know that Emeryville is not San Francisco, but if it, if it's close by, like, can you speak to, to, those issues and how you as a, a member of the city council would, I mean, you know, like how does that issue in San Francisco affect you in Emeryville? Specifically around like the crime issue. Crime and homelessness and, and, and the, you know, when, I have never seen, I, I, I had never seen when I went to, to San Francisco, I mean, I'd never seen dirty needles before. I had never seen people on heroin before. And a lot of people were very angry at me because I was like, this doesn't happen in Florida. And they're like, yes, it does. And I said, what I'm seeing right now does not happen in Florida. It, do- it just simply does not happen. I mean, we, we, we have uh, forced all of those people to be in jail. And then all of the people that, that, that are crazy uh, because they're homeless, are in jail and receiving treatment because in Florida, the um, uh, corrections uh, facilities are the largest suppliers of uh, psychiatric care in the, in the state. So like, you know, like we just hide it well. So like th- that issue there, how does San Francisco's issues with poverty and drugs and, and homelessness, how does it affect the, the rest of the Bay Area? Well, in general, regionally, we have a housing crisis, and that's reflective in the general homelessness crisis that we're experiencing. It's just an offset. Housing unaffordability is through the roof. And the original epicenter was in San Francisco, which caused a lot of displacement, which then put a bigger crunch on the East Bay, South Bay, North Bay cities, folks fleeing from San Francisco because of unaffordability, then put even a tighter crunch on the cities in the surrounding area, which put now an even tighter crunch on the areas now known as, of course, to people who are familiar with California, uh, our, our Central Valley, which is even further east um, in our more rural areas. So 
with with that said, I mean, our our housing crisis being regional is impacting our homelessness crisis, which is now regional Um, and all of the entire region not keeping up with the housing demand has impacted really. I mean, if we want to get into the nitty gritty, it's impacted our surrounding states people fleeing to Nevada and Arizona. And then as even as far as folks choosing to to relocate to the Southern states because it's just um, a lower cost of living. So in, in with that being said, the issues in all of our cities affect one of us because we're such a, a regional body. And so many people like myself, I might live in one city, but I've worked in another, I was born and raised in Oakland and, you know, worked in like San Leandro, which is like further east. So I worked in San Francisco or I live in Emeryville, but I work in Berkeley. So we're all, it's not just people live and work in San Francisco or live and work in Oakland. It's not really that simple. A lot of us are always crossing over city lines. So what happens in one part of the Bay Area especially when we're talking about a human need that is so crucial like housing and the fact that it's not willing, just available to the extent where it needs to be. It's impacted the entire region and really the, the Western United States because so many people have had to either relocate or if they can't afford to relocate, they are then forced into experiencing homelessness which has now led to a, I mean, it's a health crisis. Home People, from the day you're born to the day you die, you need somewhere to live. If not, it's going to have a detrimental impact on your health and wellness. So now we have an ongoing issue with folks um, we're seeing experiencing chronic homelessness and the health impacts that come with that. Um, so in conclusion, um, it affects all, not just Emeryville, but the entire region. And that's why so much of the push forward is around regional um, action towards dealing with our housing and homelessness crisis. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, that's a that's a really great answer, Courtney. And, and you know, uh, because I, like I said, I'm from the South. And so it was it was very it was, it was very much an eye opener. I wasn't expecting it when I went. Um, and however, after living in it, I, I, I stayed in a hostel on sixth and market, which is actually where a lot of the homeless people hung out. And, um, my, my experience was that many of the, the, um, ways that the, that San Francisco has been using to, to deal with the issue, like, like, May, like I think they, there's issues where they they decriminalize a lot of the drug use and, and and I mean they're just not going after homeless people for for really victimless crime and f- from what I have seen as a per, as an outside viewer a lot of those issues really helped to to make my experience in the city for three weeks I, I did never had a problem I never felt unsafe okay however. Um, like, what are you, what, what do you think? I, I mean, the, can, the issue, can, I, can I interject something? There's actually what, what, uh, someone by the name of Alexandria Thomas from the Berkeley Housing Authority who's on the line right now. And I, I just sent an invitation to her 
to speak because she because was requesting an opportunity. So, so um, if she's okay. able to now, well, now. Oh, I will. has been accepted there. So, yeah, can we hear from Alexandria for a moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, then I'll answer, then I'll ask the question of both Courtney and, and, and Alexandria then. Okay, since San Francisco is doing everything they can as a city, to deal with the regional issues that I've seen and and they're dealing with it to the best of their ability. Then what, what is being done to address the underlying issue of what's causing this, this income inequality and, and, and inability to buy a home, which is all of the stuff in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, uh, Facebook and Google and all of these places. Isn't there some, some like uh, responsibility or obligation that we should place on them for the fact that they have, have pressed so many people into into poverty and and uh, would you like to tackle that well i i would i don't know if doing everything in their power the way i would actually it like i would say I went and across I went, and I, San Francisco. I would say across the board, a lot of cities have not been holding up their when it comes to producing more housing. So it's not just them, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't frame it as bad. Um, but no, there is a big responsibility around underlining issues, especially around wages and how folks are paid. And, and I always tell folks, especially small business owners, that it's very important for them to be, you know, on the front lines when it comes to making sure that affordable housing, whatever that might mean, is accessible and that all incomes are able to find housing because the big push around increasing wages, especially minimum wage, you know, oh, the five for 15 and now folks are like the five for 20. The first thing people say is, oh, you can't afford to rent a one-bedroom apartment, uh, you know, with the minimum wage. Like, yeah. So then the next conversation is, how do we get the businesses to increase the wages? And then there's a big pushback from small businesses like, yo, we can't keep up, you know, with all this. And that's not very much. Be Sometimes people are like, oh, that's just an excuse. They just don't want to pay people more. But a lot of folks are like, hi, I can't. Just, just like that. Like that. that might be very yeah. much true, but, but the fact still remains that the wages are too low because the cost of living is too high. So then, how do we find that balance? Um, of course, it's easier to have that conversation with a, a large corporation that has access to those type of funds. It's a, it's a more um, very uh, delicate and. and difficult conversation with a small business owner who does not have those type of profit margins. So it, it really depends on who you're talking to, how much you're talking about, and, and, and really frank, being equitable and understanding and empathetic, I think, to, to everyone's situation. I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Um, uh, JR, I think your, your mute is not on. And so there's a lot of feedback. Okay, I uh, yes. Um, now, Lauren, if you want to, I see that you have your hand up. If you want to, um, you respond to what Courtney says because I know that you're kind of in that Northern California region. 
I, I would just add that, um, you know, when it comes to underlying issues, one of the things that we cannot like really understate is the um, dismantling of our mental health care system that we had in California under Reagan and the, the crime that we don't include mental health in health care and don't guarantee health care to our citizens uh, is is related in that in those issues. So I, I just wanted to add that, point that out to everything um, that was being said by Courtney there. Now, now, um, see, in Florida, okay, uh, now, my experience with mental health in Florida was absolutely horrific. And so however bad you guys have it there, I mean, now, I took care of someone who developed schizophrenia for four years. And the only place that I was able to get him medicated was in jail. There was no, I had no rights. I actually had any rights that I had stripped away. And so, like, and the process of getting him healthcare required him to first be get social security disability, which could take years and required a lawyer and then get, get, um, get uh, a two year mandatory wait because we didn't accept the Medicare issue. And so, um, I mean, I know Courtney, I know that you, you have nothing to do with that, but Lauren, like, okay. And again, you're representing California, but I, as an advocate, I simply have no, it reached a point that the only solution I was given by doctors was go home and shut the door. And if he comes back, call the police. And I said, I'm supposed to call the police if he comes back to the house. I can't just open the door. They said, no, because there's no way that you're going to be able to help him. And, and so like, as an American citizen, we're all running to change, make change in 2022. So if anyone on this line could give me some, Feedback. I can't fix this problem now, but I know that in Florida, there are many, many, many people going through very similar issues. Like where would I have started trying to fix that problem? And who could I have gone to? And, and you know, like, does, I mean, it, it, um, it, I just wanted to interject really fast. They have a prison, um, prisons for profit. Okay. Whack and hut. They get paid for prison contracts. <laughs> that's a problem it it's a problem at sentencing guidelines when they're sentencing people how long three strikes all of these things factor in i just wanted to interject that yeah that is a yeah, that is problem. problem you're you're right about that uh bonnie there's another uh pres prison for profit they changed their name they're now called global and it, just like you say everything is involved in that from sentencing guidelines everything and in pennsylvania rural pennsylvania and all across this nation there are homeless people we need to form some kind of committee that can work on nationwide affordable housing and, and I'm not saying building skyscrapers like they did in Chicago back in the day. There's ways to do this because everybody does deserve a roof over their head. And when they don't have a roof over their head, then you start to see mental problems crop up. So it's a it's a two edged sword. And we need to address that problems together. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I think we really need to 
speak to issues like that, uh, I know that I I try to try to highlight that, uh, especially in our our city because we have um, you know are developing a really really big problem with our unhoused community and being in a more rural part of California. I think we've, we've got a lot of urban sprawl here, but I think it's it's recognized as a more rural area. Uh, but with still kind of the urban problems, I think we really need to uh, look at some of the issues that we have with uh, these uh, developers who are coming into these areas and saying, oh, we're going to build for profit. Or we're going to build uh, the cities uh, like we were using COVID funds to build quote unquote affordable housing and builders are getting million dollars of profits and only building you know a fraction of the units that they initially said they were going to you know build um, so in my eyes I think that it's an issue where you know if 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 the private if the the marketplace is not going to provide for uh, affordable housing then it's got to be a, a situation where the where the government steps in and I totally agree with 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 Ronnie that there's ways to do it um, and it just takes political courage and I would just uh, you know challenge these other folks on the on the other side of the aisle that uh, claim to care about uh, you know, security for all. Well, housing is is a security issue. Um, you know, if you, you claim to care about health care, uh, housing is a health care issue. Um, and I just think we need to do a better job of making that argument um, and, and, and uh, really nailing down the other side to, to, to see what, because they just, you know, we're for freedom and freedom and freedom. And that's, that's what yeah, they get away and, with. It never address any of the issues that we have. Well, oh, Lauren, I just wanted to Lauren, jump in really fast and uh, say something. Okay, there was a dynamic that was happening in um, in and around St. Louis County and all around um, St. Louis and a number of counties. They had ninety municipalities, and how they were funding these municipalities were through ticketing people for small infractions. They'd stop them for having a tail light out. These people are indigent, destitute. They did not have jobs that paid anything. They, you know, it's a right to work state, Missouri is. So these people did not have the wherewithal financially to pay these infractions. So the people were fearful to go to court. They didn't go. Then it accrued interest. The, the interest rate on the tickets got so high. This one woman had four children. She got stopped. She had a, a couple speeding tickets and the officer informed her he was taking her to jail. And she said, what about my four kids? Well, they had to, she had to get her, her family members to come get the children. Then they held her in jail and she didn't have money to post bond. Okay. So then it, it just kept snowballing and that's what they did. And that's why Corey, um, that's why, uh, oh, why, why can't I think, not Corey, um, why can't I think of her last name? Anyway, Corey, that, Corey that Bush. ran. Corey Bush, there you go. Corey she Bush. ran because she was indigent herself at, at for Congress. She 
for the first congressional seat in St. Louis. Um, that's the, you know, that surrounding area. There were 90 municipalities and, and it was just a horrible dynamic and they were funding, th- oh, funding yeah. their municipalities through all these tickets and these fines and they were accruing and these people had interest. They had no, no um, ability to pay them whatsoever. And it was just a completely uh, multi-prom problem for them. But that's all I wanted to say. Um, well, I, I was going to mention that I told you that I'm on the uh, improved dwellings of Altoona, Pennsylvania. And for 53 years, this was started by this preacher. And, and they would buy up these properties and they would renovate them. And they created housing for low-income people and for the elderly. And that could be done for the homeless as well. It could be. There's no uh, reason for it. I guarantee you if every homeless person voted, that they would do something about it. So you got homeless people who are the silent voices. So they're not, they're not heard. And, and well, since they're not heard, the politicians just overlook them. But well, they're here. I will t- I'll tell you that is 100% true because uh, you know as a person who is um, you know a working class background and um, I was told early on in my campaign to always talk about the middle class and right. not about the the poor people that I that I really connect with more than the the middle class is like I that would be great if I could consider myself middle class but I have uh, you know actual I have like realism in, in in mind when I think of what a middle class did I think maybe we lost Lauren for a minute okay. um, um, I wanted to really quickly interject um, that Gavin Newsom our governor here in this state partnered with all a, a number of city councils all up and down the state. We had a tremendous problem, especially in Santa Barbara with homelessness. He partnered with them, got a lot of motels that, you know, a lot of motels up and down the state, at least a number of jur- jurisdictions. Gavin Newsom helped fund, you know, give money to get these motels up and, you know, that were just to have people housed in those in the interim while they, you know, construct things and derelict hotels, they were refurbishing them. Some of them weren't um, elderly, disabled, accessible. That was a problem, but he's been doing that. They had um, a real problem with, um, with homeless people being preyed upon. So they had this thing called Operation Safe Park, whereby um, city, uh, and state-owned properties had cyclone fencing enclosed um, places where people were allowed to, they had to leave by six or seven in the morning, but about five o'clock at night, they could all come and move their RVs in, move their cars in, and and safely park in there. And they had security guards that would rove the whole thing, the enclosure, and make sure these people were safe because they were being preyed on when they would park on city streets. And so he's been doing all sorts of creative things. You know, a lot of people aren't aware because they don't read newspapers, but it's, it's covered a lot in the LA times and even in our horrible right wing slanted uh, paper we have here, the um, 
San Diego Union Tribune. But I mean, a lot of people aren't aware, like during the COVID, when the first onslaught hit, they opened up the convention center and let people stay in there. So they had a safe, socially distanced, masked place to be in because of the COVID. Again, I'll mute the phone. Well, I'll just put it this way. For every problem, there's a solution. If people sit down, get their heads together and work on it, and we can get things done. And this is what we need to do. However, I just wanted to say I'm going to have to uh, leave, but I really enjoyed this, and I appreciate the invite. I hope you have me back again, and we're going to win this, and we are going to change America blue, and things are going to get better for the people of the United States of America. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, uh, now, you know what? Th thank you very much, Ronnie. And I'm going to be getting in touch with you. I'm going to email you, uh, probably within the next, with, with the next 12 hours. Okay. Okay. Um, excellent. excellent. And, I, and I'll help you out. I'll, I, I will, um, I'll help you out. I can, I have a lot of solutions for you. Okay. Okay. It sounds really great. Thanks. I appreciate it. And like I say, invite me again, whatever you guys set up where we can all get together, let's do it. Let's get these 177 candidates together and let's have a little army to build a bigger army. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, Lauren. Okay. Um, so I was really impressed talking to Courtney and I think that what, what we as Americans are missing out in is that we do not put, very much attention or um, or uh, you know importance on running for city council, and I really liked the way that she answered me, and I think that she understood policy in a way that I don't think that so far any other candidate has has matched. And so, um, Jr. There's actually another city council person that's on the line right now. His name is Jose Alonso from Minnesota, okay. California. Maybe okay. um, that might be a good question for him. Okay. Well. Well. Uh, okay. Um, well, Jose, I'll. I'll. After Lauren answers, I, I will give you give you the floor here. But uh, Lauren, if you because I'm trying to create a coalition, if um, if you have any connections with people in city government in California, because I think that the people in California, uh, you know, are are the kind of the the leadership the, the where we should be looking. Right. If you could connect me with those people, I think that we could also uh, be looking at, at um, you know, getting them on these talks more often, because I think they could add a lot of um, a lot of really good policy focused, um, you know, responses on how we could fix things. All right. And so, like, uh, you know, if you have any any response to that and then after that, Jose, you're more than welcome to talk. Um, I'd really appreciate hearing from you. I sent a speaker invite. I'm not sure if he's able to accept oh, it or it not. Wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let me oh. speak for a second. Can you can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know that's a a very a very good question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how to answer it because. Um, it's been my experience, in, at least in my town of, of Fresno, that uh, 
a lot of our, our city council people are, are really kind of self-serving and, um, or like there's like one of them in, in my, the district that I live in, uh, the city council district I live in is a complete, uh, MAGA, um, person and, you know, has no inclination to help anybody anyway. Um, but it, it was a kind of eye-opening experience in this run and, and getting to actually speak with, with some of our city council people and, and really kind of see if, it, if there's no benefit to them, um, that they're not really inclined to, to do anything about it. Um, Jose actually is, is in a town that's right next to, to mine. Um, I go there. Uh, not often, but but pretty regularly. Uh, my brother is the principal at the junior high there in that town, um, and Jose would probably be a better person um, to to kind of facilitate that because he's actually a person that is running for the right reasons and is elected and actually doing the work of the people that elected him, in my opinion. No, I sent an invitation for him to speak, and um, when I pulled up his profile again, it says invite to speak. Maybe you can try it, Jr. I, I already did twice. Uh, there's uh, there's just so many issues with the spaces right now. Um, I think that's why we, we lost a lot of people, because Courtney was, uh, I had just asked her question, and she, you know, she had been in and out. Um, but he anyway, to, I mean. He needs to reconnect again, because that happened to me. Needs to exit and reconnect. Oh, okay. So maybe um, Jose, if you can hear me, then go ahead and leave this, and then and then log back onto it, and we'll send you another uh, speaker invite. Uh, okay. Now, Lauren. Um, so now, what are things if 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 I were the DNC? And you could come to me and I would actually do what you asked me to. What would you be asking for? Uh, um, that's a good question. Um, because I, I think... Oh, hold on. <laughs> I hear little ones. Yeah. Families and dogs. Um that's a good question because you know what you would what really kind of what I would like to know um, from someone in the party is kind of what does the Democratic Party stand for because um, that is really kind of what the the, the thing that I would like to know um, because I feel like we are we are you know, running very individual races and, and, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, you run to the district that you're in, but there's got to be a unifying message of the party. And right now I don't, I don't really, I don't really see it. Um, so that would be one thing is, is give us the messaging that, that we can use to go forward. The other thing that I would um, ask of, of a person from the DCCC uh, of course is, you know, some kind of of strategic uh, planning when it comes to campaigns. Um, you know, I 
am a first time candidate. So this, this consulting and uh, things like that, I'm kind of a uh, admitted novice and, but a lot of the um, DNC sponsored um, consultants that I interviewed early on in the process, um, you know, really kind of like had an attitude that came off as um, as Republican, uh, so to speak. And I realized that you know, money is you can't win a campaign without without money. Um, but to have that be the the primary focus in an uh, of of everything that you do and every connection you decide to, f- to facilitate and foster, um, that can't be what actually wins campaigns. It helps. Oh, it definitely helps. Absolutely. But um, you know the the counsel that I got early on was was really kind of more uh, focused on um, what can so-and-so do for you? What does this relationship actually do for you in terms of bringing in donors um, to the campaign? And it was not very much focused on um, what can we do as, as far as outreach? What do we do as far as messaging? How do we get in to to turn out the voters that, uh, frankly, we've been losing over the last two election cycles? Um, so that's what I would, would be really interested in, in hearing the feedback from if I could speak uh, candidly to someone um, from the congressional committee. Okay. Um, well, so, I mean, that that's the answer that I was expecting. It's not the one that I wanted. And I understand your, 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 you know, the difficulties that you're up against. Um, but uh, I don't know if I have um, given you my resume, Lauren, but I would love to send you my resume, uh, my, my activist resume that also has my technical skills on it. And if I can help you in any way, um, you know, I, 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 there, there are some, some things I can help you with about like amplifying your messaging and, you know, getting out your tweets to, to a larger audience and, uh, you know, things like that, I would be more than happy to talk with you privately about. And, you know, like, there are things, because I am who I am, nobody's ever going to hire me because of because of my the way that I'm outspoken when it comes to, you know, being inside the, of the beltway, but I don't really care. So that's, that's a, a good thing and a bad thing, because it means that I'll never work in DC or, or in and around DC. Oh, but, um, no. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but I, would, I don't think I would, so. But anyway, you're you're way too humble, my dear. <laughs> right. But, but we but, have a lot of tools, though, Lauren, that, that could help you. And we've been working for two years to build our toolbox. And, you know, it's both for activism and for um, running for office and messaging, particularly. Um, so, yeah, we'll let's definitely connect um, with him, Justin, uh, you know, yeah, and, and so. I'm the, I, you know, the, the reason I was saying that before Lauren is that like, I'm not a traditional, I'm not a traditional, uh, I guess you would say, call me a consultant, 
but uh, there are things that I'm willing to do that other that they might not be. And one of those things is willing to work with anybody that that, that has a real chance at winning. And I see that when you. So, um, you know, like uh, unless we all work together and are willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy and the hard work and, you know, whether, even if it's for free. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's could be until we do that, it is so important. This cycle, it is so important that we grow our coalition and that we work together to, to meet the needs that we all have commonly. Because if, if we if we pool our resources, there will be someone who can fill the, our need and that we will be able to fill theirs. You know, it's like yeah, it's a matter of uh, coopetition, not competition in that regard. And, yeah. you know, even even with candidates running against one another in primaries, the more we all support one another, um, the stronger the ticket will be when the primary does come or when the yeah, when the primary does come along. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, the general, I meant. Yeah. And um, I just have to let everybody know I'm just getting over COVID. I had a, a breakthrough uh, of Omicron. And um, I think I'm starting to, 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 you know, I think I'm taking a downward turn right now. Just well, because three hours, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. And, anyway, and, um, thank you all so much for, you know, your insights and sharing all of that with us. I mean, it's really great. And we'll do it again next week, same time. Yeah, I will be here every every um, Tuesday at seven o'clock from now until the election, and we're going to make sure that we're going to make sure as many people as possible win. And uh, you know, we we will find the solutions that um, we will find the solutions. Okay, and and Jose, I saw that you just DM me, and uh, you know, I, I think it's not so much a specific question. I think that we need more people like you telling people like Lauren. This is what we need, because I think that, you know, like like people like Lauren and people running for office, they have they have they're taking their cues from the party, from the Democratic Party. But I think that a lot of times that maybe we need to be taking our cues from what our our, you know, constituents need, <laughs> you know, like what. We, and and so talking to Courtney really kind of opened my eyes. And if, you know, I think that we should have more people like you on. Yeah. So, so uh, I look forward to talking to you next week, and everybody is invited next week. But yeah, I'm I'm really starting to get. Yeah. Um, and, and please do um, follow Vigil for Democracy, and we'll amplify for you. It's Vigil Number Four Democracy on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, thank Lauren, you. I, I, yeah. Say, you you can get traction in this race. I I really, you're very measured. You're very calm. You're steady. You have many great ideas. I think you are going to appeal to voters there. It might be a very heavily Latino district. It doesn't matter. I think you have a message that is diverse and is going to appeal to a lot of voters. And you have to get out there and get the most visibility, raise your profile as much as possible in that district, get known a lot more. I mean, use every... Everything to um, for a forum you can get because you really you have so many you'd be a very very effective congr Congress member in my view and 
you know, anyway, that's all I want to say. I'm going to see, see the and, and also, I, I think he's got a lot of things that he brings to the table that Devin Nunez never could. Thank you. I appreciate and it. I think once, <laughs> once you ed- educate people about all the things that Devin Nunez did not do for them and the fact that he's no longer there taking up all the airtime, I think you've got a really good shot. Um, yeah, um, guys, I really, I need to call it right now. I'm starting, I'm starting not to feel so great. I, I it's just, I've been talking too much. So I'm going to, I'm going to end this now. And I really want to well, get better, Justin. Thank you guys. Um, <coughs> thank you. Um, thank you uh, for giving us the space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, next week, same time, same place. And we'll keep growing, you know, we'll keep growing and we'll form a network, our own network outside of the party leadership, you know, that, of, of people that, that are working for the same end goals. We all want the same thing and we can definitely work together. And I'll keep inviting candidates because many showed up I invited today. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so impressed. I was so not, not um, expecting this. And D- Melanie, I'm so, I was working on a bunch of logos and stuff today and I, I sent you a text. I didn't even get a chance to see if you responded. I said, at 6.59, I said, I, I bet you thought I was going to be late. <laughs> I was late. Yeah. I took a nap and I was yeah. late. But okay. So we'll, we'll wrap it up then. So thank you, everyone. And, and thank you, Justin and, and uh, <laughs> Melanie and, and Bonnie. Yeah, I can't wait to hear to, to, to talk to you guys again next week. Thank you, everybody, for coming. All right. And have a good night. And Happy New yeah. Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and take care and rest yourself. (laughs) Thank you, Bonnie. Okay. Bye. Bye for now, everyone.